Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. And we have and a I'm... very special brother. It's Ben. It's Brother Ben. My two brothers, Biscuit and Ben, here to celebrate 100 weeks of this I'm ridiculous like the, I'm project. like the butter to your biscuit. That's good. Butter Ben. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's weird. That's a weird idea. <laughs> we didn't think this project through, but now this is our 100th iteration. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah. So we're down to three. Thank God we're down to three. But um, with three people talking about three episodes, this could still be a four-hour podcast. So everybody, strap in. Yeah, everybody. You all know the way this goes. Uh, we go in reverse order from finishing order last week. Last week, the worst episode was Deep Space Nine. Mm. And this week, we watched Nor the Battle to the Strong. Make it muddy. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to be. I was expecting a little bong bong to lead into that. I don't usually do that before the clip. But that song could use it. All right. <laughs> uh, Jake. It's a Jake episode, everybody. I know you're excited to see Ooh. that. Jake went along to a conference to do a profile to Dr. Bashir for some journal. Uh, he is yes. very bored. As he imagines a cool plague coming along to make things interesting, they pick up a distress call from a Federation colony, Agilon Prime, under attack by Klingon troops. This fucking space war. What uh, can you do? Jake somehow convinces Bashir to head over there and lend a hand, I guess, for the cool war excitement. Credits. Uh, O'Brien and all the men talk about how it's actually the man's baby, too, so pregnant ladies <laughs> should listen to them about what to do. Kira and Dax disagree. This is just Little League. It doesn't matter. It's a great look, too, because Quark kind of gets the last say, and then, you know, maybe maybe Odo and O'Brien are a little... No, they're not. They're not more enlightened. <laughs> no. They haven't thought about it. They're not more enlightened, but it doesn't matter because that's when Cisco busts out of his office and he's sad. I kind of feel like everybody did a silent nod when uh, Quark is saying that the baby is just leasing space in the mommy. So, you know, some horrible forensic Ferengi stuff. I think Odo actually gave a powerful nod. <laughs> I think he and Quark are really good buddies these days because he just goes, uh-huh, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Cisco says the Farragut is off to relieve that dumb colony Bashir is helping, so maybe Jake and Julian will be okay? Uh, Bashir has to take the runabout down manually and go to the fucking bunker hospital because the other one was blown up. I guess it's hell down there with active triage going on and dead bodies and all of that shit. Uh, one dude comes in and says he took a disruptor blast at short range, but Bashir knows this guy phasered himself to get out of the field. 
What setting do you think he had it on? Uh, well, he didn't pull a fucking O'Brien and just crank it to 16. That's for sure. Because <laughs> no, they would have found him in the bottom of a hot crater. <laughs> Missing his legs at the bottom of a crater. <laughs> yeah, no, I can only imagine he went with one, not knowing what the fuck was going to happen. Like, this is not... I don't know how people who shoot themselves during wartime to get off the front lines. I don't know how fast a decision it is for them. But if you get a phaser... You really got to think about it, right? You got to calculate what setting is going to get you injured enough to leave the front lines. It's like, is a six what, okay? What, Am yeah, I going to dissolve? Because if I just stun myself, for sure, when I wake up, they're just going to put me back out here. <laughs> well, you're right. It is much easier when the only setting is bullet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh it's a lot for poor Jake to take in right away, and unfortunately, we have to hear his inner monologue the whole time he's trying to write this damn story. It's definitely my least favorite part of the episode. Series. Back. Of the series. For me. Back to DS9, where uh, Odo mm, tells... No. no, my least favorite part of the series so far was when Cisco pretended to be other Cisco and fucked Dax. So that far, that's my least favorite part. Oh, I didn't mind that. <laughs> Well, there are a couple different kinds of sex decks, and they're the best kinds. So, um, anyway, uh, back on DS9, Odo tells Cisco a story of how, in his dumb human form, he did what I did after playing GTA 4 the first time and <laughs> leapt off a staircase to catch a bad guy and fair dinkum hurt himself. Cisco gets sad about the fragility of people because he's worried about his son. It's a stretch that the writers are really fucking going for here. Hey, Cisco called him into the office to yell at him about it, right? What was what was the plan for this? <laughs> just did he just need, did he just need to hear the story from Odo's mouth or was <laughs> cuz he seems like he wants him to keep going like it won't have occurred to Odo that that was dumb and he shouldn't do it again. <laughs> it's like Cisco heard a story that Odo leapt off the staircase and yelled "Eagle!" <laughs> <laughs> Just needed to hear it. Uh uh anyway, so uh, Cisco's all bummed out about his son. Dax comes in and yells like a robot that the Klingons destroyed the Farragut. So Cisco gets the gang together on the Defiant to go blow up the Klingons, I guess. He can't possibly have enough security and doctors to help that colony. I think that his his mission is just to roll up and get Jake out of there. And if he'd rolled up with the Defiant and Jake and Bashir were in the middle of a big firefight, he would have just beamed those two out and left. <laughs> Even replaced them with two average security guards? Nah. <laughs> uh... Jake gets sick at lunch because of uh, the nasty medical horror and all the bad <laughs> jokes that all the people are making. And um, he and Bashir wonder how even cool, tough Starfleets get scared in battle. This would have been better as an episode of ER or Grey's Anatomy or Scrubs, maybe. Or MASH. Oh, yeah, or it really, something. you're not wrong. It felt like they were going for MASH and they landed at Scrubs, but they, without any <laughs> yeah. of the charming performers. Uh, Jake is on the naivete scale somewhere in between <laughs> Wesley who for sure would not have understood about the phaser injury and would have needed to ask five questions about it uh -huh. and then Tasha Yar would have told him about drugs right? Uh, and uh, I don't know a real person who when 
Dr. Bashir started talking about making a lateral incision on that chicken instead of being sick would have said, you're a fucking ghoul, huh? <laughs> I'm glad you're not like this at the station. So this is um, this is what it would have been like if it had been the frontier, huh? This is frontier Bashir. Ah. Finally get to see him in action. He gets to do all kinds of shit in this one. He gets to go serpentine and all that business. Uh, okay, then Bashir and the tough lady doctor chat about this damn war. And then Jake and his new buddy Kirby have a similar chat. And then in the middle of the night, they lose power. Because I guess the Klingons are up to some business. Jake and Bashir go off to get a portable generator from the runabout. And on the way, they're attacked. And Bashir appears to be wounded. He at least falls down. And Jake hightails it out of there, leaving the doctor behind. Uh, he also runs into remnants of another different big battle with dead Klingons everywhere and eventually stumbles upon a wounded and very salty Federation dude in a ditch. <laughs> Do you think this guy is so salty because his personality is so bad for a Federation officer <laughs> that he's like, he's constantly getting bad performance reviews and he's just getting passed over for promotion after promotion. It's uh, true that how do you end up as a ground pounder in Starfleet? Like what I, is I, that career trajectory? I, th- I think there's this, uh, he's the new Mako, which is definitely an underclass of, uh, of Starfleet. And I think that, uh, that, that would make anybody salty. Yeah. Except instead of tactical gear, these guys get, Slightly padded sweaters. <laughs> 1930s uh, football uniforms. <laughs> that is essentially right. Yes. He was missing the leather helmet. Otherwise, he had it fucking nailed. Yeah, what's protecting their heads? They should have had leather helmets. <laughs> and then it would have looked like they were playing for Notre Dame. At least maybe the helmets those old Romulan uh, centurions would wear Ooh. in TOS or something. Perfect. Exactly. Um, anyway, this dude hits Jake with his rifle and all kinds of business. Uh Jake says all of his thoughts out loud to him about how he got scared and ran away. And the guy isn't very cool about it, but he dies right away from gut wounds, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Jake is up and running away again after that. Uh, to be fair, Matt, he lives a little longer than Private Adveyev in uh, Haji Mirage. <laughs> That's true. I guess that is true. That guy got blasted in the gut and then kind of went comatose. Couldn't yeah. even hold a candle. Um... Cisco's trying to keep himself busy in Defiance engineering room. Dax tries to comfort him by telling a very long story about a past life and a past child. Dax's bad performance really lost me, so I don't really know what the story was about. Um, I honestly don't think it was helpful. <laughs> it was like a, I my kid was in the hospital, but I don't know. Everything turned out okay. Like, her big revelation is that she realized she was doing it to keep herself occupied, and it's like, Cisco already knew that. He knew that fixing the sensors on the Defiant wasn't going to do dick for Jake. If I fix these sensors, then Jake will appear! <laughs> um, Back on Agilon, Jake gets back to the bunker and hears that Bashir was able to retrieve the generator all by himself. He's injured, but not too bad, it sounds like. Jake goes to see him, and Jake yells at him to, like... Mask is shame, I guess. More monologues about being a coward. Uh, anyway, the Klingons are massing to attack the compound. Jake chats with the guy who shot himself, and they commiserate a bit. Then Jake flashes on Kirby and the others for trying to get by with all their jokes about the best ways to die. 
Uh, the Klingon attack comes, and they have to evacuate all the prisoners to the surface. So uh, Jake hides under a table. Yeah, he just runs an earthquake drill. I guess that's what they... <laughs> He's not in Starfleet. I didn't really understand. They're like, we have to evacuate, and he just got under the smallest table he could find. <laughs> It's like when uh, Katie got lost on that cruise ship on our honeymoon and just stayed where she was because <laughs> so, so she knew that we'd come looking for her from Girl Scouts. Uh, I, I definitely like right. looking. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so the two feds go down. Uh, Jake grabs a rifle, starts firing at fucking everything in sight. He brings the ceiling down and falls unconscious. Bashir and Sisko find him, and they tell him what a hero he is for holding up the Klingons and letting everybody escape. And then he writes his sad sack story, and we get to see Bashir and Sisko reading it and reflecting. And Sisko gives him an attaboy for having the courage to write down all of his fears for everybody to fucking read and hang out with. Jake is super pleased with himself, and the episode ends. Yeah. Ben, I ask brother... Butter Ben, what was this episode about? Well, the side the butter is on is nah, I can't do that. Uh, the line between courage and cowardice is a lot thinner than most people think. And then I, I assume that's all going to go into this book, Anselm. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't say anything today about not having a mom. That seems to be his main <laughs> motivation as an author. Well, we know that's the defining characteristic of the main character of Anselm, is that uh, Lost doesn't have a mom. I'm writing a story, and the main character lost his mom. It's about other stuff. Like, all right, well, dude. how could you be a good soldier if you don't have a good mommy? <laughs> What's that worth to you, Ben? What's oh, the boy. score for that take? Uh, I, I put that down as a, as a six. There, there's, there's some introspection there. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of business in there about, uh, what a natural, Cisco likes to tell him about how that's, everyone sees themselves in that. Everybody who's seen combat has had that reaction. So, uh, Judah. Yeah. The take of this one is war is hell colon. What is courage? Mm, Hmm. Question. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it fighting to the death, or is it looking inward and facing your imperfections head on? Okay. It's the first one. Oh, no. But what this show presupposes is, maybe they're both? (laughs) Are they both courage? Listen, it's okay. This is an okay take. The take's not the problem with the episode. No. Um, It's... uh, So I don't know. This is crossing the line between take and execution, but it feels like Starfleet should be better at this. Not because they fight a lot of wars, but because they have a lot of insight into mental health in the future. So I don't know. Like I want a different or better take. I want something that's helpful. This one's just a four to me. This felt very boilerplate to me, and I didn't know if it's because I've seen the DS9s, and this is the main take moving forward with DS9. So I I was trying not to hold against it, the take. War isn't a cool adventure. It's scary as hell, bro. I gave it a five. I feel like it's kind of obvious. Like, you'd have to, again, you'd have to be, like, Wesley naive. 
but except Wesley wouldn't like war. So a different kind, a different kind of naive to be like, war's going to be fucking, I guess a Jake kind. You'd have to be a Jake kind of naive to think that <laughs> war, uh, that war's going to be fucking amazing. You'd, this doesn't matter, but you'd have to be the young male Klingon from that Worf rescues in that camp. <laughs> yes, talk. You mean talk? Talk. You'd probably, you'd probably have to be him. Yeah, he, uh, he does think it's pretty cool when he throws a spear through that hoop. He thinks yes. he's basically nailed being a warrior at that point. Um, all right, flipping over to execution. Um, I know there are so many of these episodes coming. We got a taste with the ship a couple weeks ago, but this one was very aggressive, and there's going to be a lot more. Um, so take that, Gene, I guess. It's all dark and yep. s- sad and gritty and so much for the idyllic hippie space future you invented. Yeah, Gene's dead and the monkeys are running the zoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, this is obviously closer to the actual truth of things. And maybe somebody over at DS9 really felt the need to correct what TOS and TNG had been telling us about the hippie space future. You know, war isn't an adventure and understanding that would help you take steps to avoid it. So maybe this should be a message that people hear. Um, I was very displeased by Jake's monologue. His repeating monologue. But I guess it's not that different from a personal log, which often take the form of some weird internal monologues that you would never record for posterity. It's absolutely true, but I, I, I do like the pretense. I mean, they, they... otherwise, what, what are we doing with this, you know, viewing the, the, the internal reaches of Jake's mind just right there on, on screen. At least give me the, the, the plausible deniability of, of getting the, uh, you know, getting the personal log. Yeah. Or that, or do a rapper mm-hmm. where it starts with Jake showing, <clears throat> ashamed and showing this to his dad, and then we understand what's happening. Like, okay, we understand. <clears throat> it's not, it's not complicated what's going on. We know he's, this is, this is the story. It just, this is not how anyone would write anything that they were submitting to a journal. Yeah. Like his little inner monologues are not, they're not in the register of written language. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there were a couple of problems. One, this is more than Siroc Lofton can carry. And I think they knew he wasn't going to be able to act his way through this. Like, if you just saw these things on his face, you would need a better actor than Siroc Lofton. And two, the other, I mean, the problem is they do it both ways. They have him doing the monologues and they have him saying out loud how scared he is all the time. Yes. And I think they could have cut back on one or the other. Like when he tells this the is, dude in the ditch about how what a coward he is. It's like, save that for the is, monologues. This is tell and tell and yeah. never heard of show. <laughs> right. I wonder if there's a cut of Siroc Lofton trying to show and they just went, this isn't going to work. We're going to need him to come in and do some monologues. <laughs> Like, I wonder if in those scenes he knows he's doing a monologue or if he's trying his best to act his way through it. You know, my suspicion is that it is just the people making Star Trek want to be doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And they just think it's really cool to shake it up. Yeah. That is often what happens. So, like, I saw a movie, right? Isn't that always what we see? I saw a movie <laughs> on TV often. and I was like, fuck, I'd be great to do that movie. Just totally forgetting the fact that that movie's been done. They saw it the other day. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't need to we do don't it, need again. it again. <laughs> I, anyway. I always figure when they do that, it's it's because they're out of ideas. I mean, and they're just reaching for whatever lazy thing that's that's hanging around. Like, I love lamp, right? That that's equivalent of that. 
25 episodes is a lot, but I just... Sometimes these guys seem like real hacks. I gave it a four on execution. Uh, Judah. So... So for me, the break from the usual directorial language of the show always makes it seem a little bit unreal. Mm. Um, this episode is very melodramatic, and someone definitely watched a lot of MASH. Mm-hmm. <coughs> no effort at all is made to explain the state of the Klingon War. No, last week we were told it was going pretty well. Because Grilka yeah. was on the station, I guess the ceasefire or whatever, the talks must be going pretty well, and then this week we're just right in this fucking space war again. Yeah, they throw like one line up at the front, so much for the ceasefire. Ugh. And then at the end, Cisco comes in, ceasefire's back on. Alright. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but also, there's n- no explanation of what the Klingons want here, what they're after. <coughs> If it flared up everywhere or just here, what's going on? No, and in fact, a few weeks ago, we heard from Gowron himself that, I mean, the guy in charge, that he, was, he wasn't going to let the Dominion let them, like, let the Dominion tear them apart or whatever. But, just back on. Uh, we never get to see a hopper. No. Mm. We... The, um... Uh, the mortars are very bad. Mostly this was not a fun episode. Um, were the inner monologue, like you said, in Star Trek is established as either personal logs or letters to people who wanted to disassemble you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I gave it a three. Matt, what was your score again? That was a four. Ben, what did you, what did you think uh, execution-wise? Uh, as usual, I, I, I kind of have some rose-colored glasses on. I, I would have it at a five. Um, it's it's not great though. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I I noticed I was thinking about things like how tiny those mortars were. I mean, there were there were like <laughs> little, little puffs of smoke. Impacts. Poof, poof, poof. Exactly. Um, you know, no one had their hearing damaged like in Operation Serpentine. <laughs> Exactly, it, and and I find you know when I'm noticing that stuff, right? It's it's not not a good not a good day uh, for the episode. Um, you know, just stuff like if if it's going to take the the uh, the Farragut three days or a, a day two days, I think, to get to Agilon Prime, and it would take the Defiant three or four days or whatever it was. Why don't just why don't you just hop in the damn Defiant and start going, and so you're halfway there by the time the Farragut gets blown up. Um, all, you know, yeah. all, all of those things. And, and of course, you know, it, it smacks me right in the middle of the fa- face with, uh, yeah, it's a red badge of courage story right about the middle. Uh, and, and it's pretty obvious and kind of hack, despite the fact that I love that story. But like you said, Matt, it's been done and it was, it was the thing. Um, golly. Yeah. Okay. So he's trying to, you know, getting his, uh, character tested in this one and he, kind of passes but doesn't really I, I i don't know how we're supposed to no, feel about jake now he does the thing where i guess that earns you a lot of praise sometimes where you admit all of your faults but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily talk about how you're gonna fix any of them you just go i'm kind of a coward <laughs> and then you smile real wide as your dad your good dad hugs you yeah yeah exactly and, and we're just supposed to be supportive of good old jakey and 
what? That I mean, I, I guess nobody's supposed to really be a hero in DS9 because that's not real life. Except, you know, it'd be kind of nice if there were some heroes in our in our fantasy land called Star Trek. Um, yeah. And then let's see, anything else? Uh, you know, I think the expectations on Jake. To, to be fair to Jake, the coward, uh, I think I think it's fair to say that. This boy has no training, no medical training. He doesn't have Starfleet training. He doesn't even seem to really know how to uh, comport himself on DS9 as a True. member of the human race half the time. So, like, but he, the he least did prepared. spend a lot of time with Chief O'Brien learning about those tools or whatever. Whatever he did. Well, not only that, but you know, Chief O'Brien never shuts up about set like three. So. I know. He really should have something. He's not going to be able to look O'Brien in the eye when this story gets around the station. Uh, O'Brien is going to be so, so disappointed that he was not able to nail one of those Klingons as they came through the door with that phaser rifle. Um, I, I will say, though, I like the fact that uh, they realize that he is literally shooting the uh, shooting the ceiling, and that's exactly what uh, Jake would do. And th- they leaned into that and had the ceiling come down. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, what was what your, about you said it was a five, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about world building? Uh, I gave it a four. Um, I've got to give that a three. It's it's actually pretty bad. Uh, I give it a three. Uh, decaf coffee doesn't exist, or decaf. What is it? Ractagino doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the pregnancy is considered a rental in the Frangi society. I, I I liked it, and that is awful, and it's completely consistent with with ferengi-ness um yeah quark's trash the ferengi are trash absolutely uh futuristic scrubs are pretty dumb um and and on top of that those uh uh ground pounder uniforms are are really stupid they, they kind of look like wesley's uniform uh thinking of it now <laughs> it's true like a, uh they like do they kind of remind me of wesley uh-huh. suit but like adult, when Q makes him adult Wesley for a minute, when Riker makes him adult Wesley. <laughs> into that giant guy that uh, <laughs> that he could never be, he never turned into. <laughs> With the, they love to keep his voice feet. in that scene. He's got the big lantern jaw, but he's got Will Wheaton's voice. Uh, Commander uh, you... Riker, I, I wanted to get there on my own. And by that I mean grow up. Uh, and it's, it is so funny when you see Will Wheaton, you know, later on, you're like, yeah, not, not so much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he yeah, was, he just looks he like Will Wheaton got older. of the way to adult Will yeah, Wheaton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one thing I thought was interesting is that uh, ground warfare is still apparently very much a thing. I mean, if you if you have interstellar fleets, it, it would, you have to kind of set up a reason why you're not just glassing planets left and right and why this is actually a thing. Um, yeah, but yes, apparently the Klingon war is still going again. Um, maybe they didn't get the memo. Maybe this is, you know, after the treaty of Ghent, I don't know. Um, they, you know, so they fuck up this colony and destroy the Farragut, which is, you know, you destroyed a, 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 a starship. I mean, that's, that, that is as hot as it comes. Yeah, um, nebula class. Yeah. So not, so not a, not, not a thing. And, and, you know, then I speculate that, the. That uh, that dying Starfleet officer was, you know, some kind of underclassman version of, you know, kind of a future Mako. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Judah. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, prions are still real troublesome in the future. They probably mm-hmm. still got mad cow disease and everything. Um, 
hoppers, transport scramblers, cutters, mining expeditions to the Gamma Quadrant. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) It's insane. That's a thing that the Federation is advertising. Anybody want to go mine in the Gamma Quadrant? (laughs) This guy is thinking of signing on for the next mining expedition (laughs) to the Gamma Quadrant. Fuck, man. You'd think you'd have seen enough, like... uh, Thank God, asteroid miners and stuff. You can't just mine out near Jupiter. Is that on that same planet where the ship took place? Weren't they doing a mining um, yeah, survey? They for sure were doing a mineral survey <sighs> to discuss the possibility of setting up mining there. So I'm sure that's why they thought that was a fun thing for that guy to say. Crazy. Um, we never learn anything interesting either way about the uh, Klingon war here. But we do see a lot of, again, what ground warfare is like in the future. Uh, I'm giving it as much as a three. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, I, I thought we were pretty close to wrapping all the Klingon business up. I cannot believe, like, the way they slow burned the Dominion in season two and three. I guess three. It was the end of season two when they meet them. So the way they slow burned them in three in season three and then they had to put it on hold because Worf was joining the show. So we gotta do Klingon business because all the Worf episodes we gotta do. But here we are in season five and we're still not at the real beginning of the Dominion War. We're still doing Klingon stuff. It's kind of crazy. Um, Starfleet had to pull out of the Arcanus sector f- for a counterattack, theoretically. But the Federation won on Ganalda 4. And then, like you said, the, the ceasefire's back at the end. Uh, the Tecumseh fought its way through the Cardassian Wars. I don't remember With if we... With the same captain. Yeah, I don't remember if we've heard of it before, but you'd think if it didn't make it to Wolf 359, it must have been in that Tachyon Detection Grid shit. Because how many ships did they have that they weren't including in either of those? Uh, <laughs> well, it uh, I don't know. I don't think it's mentioned on screen in the... Uh tachyon detection grid that we'll see this week because they're always but. talking about how they can't scrape up any more ships so where the fuck's the tecumseh anyway uh caffeine free beverages are still tricky in the future the fucking uniforms these federation troops wear uh yeah mining in the gamma quadrant um yeah three what about characterization even jake hates bashir that first scene, he fucking hates Bashir so much. He hopes that panel's going to explode on his face. He's trying to will it with his brain. Uh, he's also just a child who thinks war is going to be a cool story. He fucking learns his lesson, though. Bashir is pretty irresponsible. He was 100% right in the first place. He should not have taken a civilian into battle. But Jake egged him on a little bit, so he didn't want to look uncool. <laughs> We definitely don't get a scene at the end where Cisco's mad at Bashir about it, and I don't understand why. And there were certainly times in the episode where I thought Bashir was really worried about Jake, 100% because he knew Cisco was going to take it out of him if something happened. I was sure he was going to say something in that scene when Jake gets back to the hospital and Cisco's like, oh my god, I was so worried about you, I should never have brought you here, your dad was going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Um... Then he, he does some heroic shit and acts like it's no big deal, which is just the worst, because now you can't even be mad at him about petty shit. <laughs> I fucking hate it. 
I mean, Bashir definitely knows that he's made a mistake, but then you know, I think it's an underestimating the, the danger, though. He thought it was, I think everybody thought it was going to be this, this quick in and out. So, you know, as we're talking about Jake expecting this to be a great adventure, I think Bashir was kind of the, the guy who thought, yeah, this will be easy peasy. Let's do it. Yeah. But the minute he's like, oh, I have to take the runabout down because, like, I can't leave it up here with the Klingons. But also, like, the hospital's underground now. As soon as he heard the hospital blew up and he had to go to a different <laughs> underground bunker hospital, I would have got, you know what? We haven't let, we haven't landed yet. We can just turn around. We're going to go home. <laughs> we're going to beam down <laughs> some medical kits and we're going to leave. Let's do a low pass and beam up the most injured people and yes. get out of there mm-hmm. again. Uh, like, oh. no one's going to be like, what are you talking about? It's a one doctor and one civilian on a runabout. How can you be leaving us? Yeah, yeah, he does not have the ability to change the situation down there. Do do, do full on mash and just strap some guys to the pods as you fly away. It'll be great. Yeah, <laughs> the nacelles. Uh, O'Brien is still a whiner, and all the men jump on board to side with him. But again, that scene was Little League. That was just to get Quark and Odo into the episode. I'm getting so sick of it. Although Odo comes back later. It's for contractual. That. Odo comes back later but for it's that con- bullshit about jumping off the stairs. It's got to be an Armin Shimmerman's contract, right? There's mm-hmm. never been an episode that he wasn't in. Yep, and often he's just in for one quarter of one scene, just to walk through the room and say a line. It, it's a hard way to get paid, though, if you think about it. I mean, he's he's got, I mean, aside from Worf now, I mean, he's got some of the most That's extensive true. prosthetics all over his yeah. fucking face. It's true, uh, he's in makeup, okay. like, <laughs> six hours to go out there, say his one line, and then two hours to get the makeup off. <laughs> um... Cisco hates the idea of his son on that fucking colony, does a lot of dad stuff, um, and even gives his boy some praise when he reads his story about pissing himself on the colony. Uh, Odo hasn't figured out he can't still turn into birds and shit. That must be a tough adjustment. Tobin had well, a baby named Rafi. C- Sorry. Cisco <laughs> gives, tells him the incredibly stupid line, well, you've been a changeling a lot longer than you've been a solid. No shit. He knows that? <laughs> yeah, Cisco didn't have anything to say in that scene. Hasn't he been a changeling for like 400 years and he just wasn't really sentient for the first 300 or something? Yeah. I forget what this his weird backstory is. Took Dr. Mora a lot of poking and prodding to get him to wake up. <laughs> uh, I was saying Tobin had a baby named Rafi. Yep. I don't know what that's worth. Um, I'm going to give them points for effort. They were trying to tell a story about Jake's realization about war and um, courage. So I gave him five points. For me, I guess Jake learns a lot about himself, but he never seemed like he thought he was hard. So I don't know if any of this is going to be a big surprise. Um, Well, I bet the actor thought he was pretty hard when they saw... When he saw that they got Tony Todd to play him as an adult. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You think he's trying to live man. up to that? I'm fucking Tony Todd. <laughs> Fuck you. Just walking around being like, I want my fucking money. It turns out he's not. He's the he's the guy from Spartacus instead. <laughs> uh, Bashir's kind of ghoulish, um, but then he was after Frontier Medicine all along. So this is probably, you know, fun and romantic for him. Yeah. I don't know what to say about Cisco. He loves Jake. Odo's still getting used to stuff. I found this one to be, strangely, not really a character show. Mm. Like, is anything that happens to Jake character development? Boy, we'll find out in the next Jake episode. I hope not. 
Um, so this is a four for me. Okay. Uh, Ben, what did you think? I I give it a five right along with Matt. I, I, I agree. There's not a lot of character development, but I do think there's some character exploration just a bit. So kind of pushing the margins of, of what, of who these guys all are. Um, just to pick out a a couple of things. I mean, early on Dax cracks a, a joke when we hear that Jake's in danger just to kind of uh, diffuse things just a little bit. I thought it was actually kind of the, the right pick there. Um, you know, the, for not understanding solids, uh, Odo <laughs> does really pick up on the nuance, nuance of uh, Cisco's preoccupation with, you know, uh, Jake being in danger. He was, you know, previously bitching about, I don't remember something about his, his, his own uh, issues. Um, but then, uh, you know, right away switches to, uh, to supporting Cisco and, you know, exploring the, the whole discussion around Jake. And I mean, that's better than most real humans. So I got to give it to him on that. Well, it's better than <laughs> I would true. be. I'd be trying to get out of that room as fast as I could. Oh, I'd be sorry, like, yeah, man. boy, that's really tough. Oh man. Well, you know, anyway, oh. um, catch you on the flip flop. Wars out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you mentioned that joke, uh, that, that Dax told uh, Katie was watching this Deep Space Nine with me and she said what was that and I said <laughs> oh at this point in the series uh, Dax is making jokes and other people are letting her know that she's not funny <laughs> I thought That's... it was I thought the situation was funny <laughs> I like that they've given her a personality trait finally and it's that she doesn't know when not to crack wise yeah yes, exactly yes 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 <laughs> um, just a couple more things uh Bashir doesn't take a, a phaser with him, and neither does Jake out of the uh, out of the shuttle pod, um, uh, the runabout. Why? I mean, obviously there are several in there all the time. Uh, we, we've seen them. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they're just in a little uh, little locker on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. A little all access panel there. Um, I mean, we we do see Jake actually being a uh, cowardly weenie uh, and deserting Bashir. Um, and then kind of going, you know, r- running himself through the, the ringer on that and, and, you know, confessing to his dad later and all, all that kind of stuff. So I, that's, I agree. It's not really much of an arc per se. It's supposed to be right. I mean, in yeah. other similar stories, it is. Yeah. I think that, I think they made, I think they made an attempt to do yeah. uh, Jake's story that people at home could maybe learn about how scary war is because it was the cool nineties and they were never going to have to experience it again. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, it's very hard for these bad writers to pull this shit off. I I agree. And and I'll, I'll, I'll make my last point. The, uh, you know, when Dax is telling Cisco that story about, about her former lives daughter and being so concerned, et cetera, et cetera. First off, I, she really tried to do an acting right there. Um, so so <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give give some credit on that. Um, but I think it was the writing that that was so bad and because you, you're not left with any any takeaway. It, what does it all mean? Who cares? Nobody knows. It felt like Dax began a story and didn't know how it related to Cisco and didn't know what to do. And just she remembered that she had been in a similar situation at some point and she started to talk about it before realizing, oh, you know what? I didn't really take anything away from that. Now that I think about it, that was just a shitty thing that happened that I had to get through. Exactly. All right. Well, quick hitters then, Ben. All right. Uh, I I only had the one I, I had to look up what the hell the title meant, um, and and it refers to a, a Bible quote and, and and 
basically it just comes to you know the 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 battle doesn't go to the strong time and chance happens to everybody um as a as a paraphrase i I don't know does it really mean anything in this context kind of sort of i gave up looking up episode titles because there were several times where i thought oh this must be from something this must be half <laughs> half a quote, and I look it up. Nope, just nothing, nothing anywhere. I mean, Internet it was just, just says no. It was just Jatrell was just the name of a character, and you were mad. <laughs> well, definitely not Jatrell. That one they didn't get me with that. Elogium, they got me. I, they nailed me. You on were that. like, Q who is not a quote. <laughs> um, no, it was the TOS. It was always the TOS ones that always sound. Like oh yeah, they're, they're you're like for the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky, and you're like, that's got to be from something. And you just find that's out Robert oh, Frost right s- there. Yeah, sounded fucking cool. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's from Ecclesiastes, which is why I played Turn, Turn, Turn this oh. week. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of quick hitters. Movie of the week level acting with the guy who cooked his own foot. <laughs> um, hospital montages really bummed me out. Hey, those caves have real good infrastructure, huh? They got lights. They got replicators. When they were building the hospital on Agilon Prime, why were they building a cave hospital underneath it also? <laughs> Starfleet engineers are thorough. We, we, we hear about that all the time. They have so many redundant systems. They got entire redundant hospitals on Agilon These caves Prime. have miles of tunnels that lead to different parts of the outskirts of town. It's like, uh, that doesn't seem real. No. What's under the hospital? Uh, well, there's a basement and then nothing. No, it's crazy that they're not already running off of generators. Like, yeah, for sure. They're like, oh, the generators are being used to keep the shields going, and we have to go get extra generators to power the place. Now that the power went out, why was there power in there? Uh-huh. Fuck, the well, one thing we didn't think running. of. <laughs> uh, why would the Klingons have ordnance as weak as those mortars? <laughs> <laughs> what, like, what tactical purpose does mortars that won't kill you if they explode one foot from you serve anyone? <laughs> I think uh, it's to uh, corral everybody together for a cool Batleth fight, because that's what they really want to do, is just get, I mean, I get everyone moved into a canyon or something and then just go in with some fucking Batleths. I mean, it's, it's less powerful than the diamond cannon Kirk makes to fight the Gorn. That's oh, all I'm yeah. going to say about it. Uh, yeah, I give best actor to Kirby and worst actor to Ensign Hotfoot, future minor. Okay. What do you got for quick hitters, Matt? I I only got the one, which is worst actor candidates, either Dax or I had Mr. Salty, the guy in the ditch. <laughs> Another good choice. <laughs> this By the way, this episode, full of bad actors. I, I could not think of one good actor in this episode. Well, it's like how... How can you get into character when they put that sweater on you? <laughs> and I'm, you say I'm a gruff, kind of an old tough guy, kind of a salty old uh-huh. bastard. Why am I wearing this sweater? Did they, did they catch me? Was I going to go out and do some fishing and they caught me? I got caught up in the middle of that or? I should be on my, my goddamn boat, kid. Is that, <laughs> that was a good ad lib? I wasn't even supposed to be on Agilon Prime. <laughs> well, Judah, you, you remember. Back in high school, when we had to wear those very bad sweaters in ROTC, maybe, yeah, maybe it's a callback to that. Wooly pulleys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't great. <laughs> but just, uh, I mean, but I don't think that's a combat uniform for the Marines. Well, to fair. be honest, 
it really was a lack of imagination though like to come up that was the whole that was the ground pounder that's the army guy uniform that sweater yeah that's it that's all they got a real lack of imagination from the props department also starfleet had ground troops on this planet yeah what why <laughs> give me some just hey Give me something. Give me anything. What is this planet? What does it mean? Why is there a battle here? Babylon 5 would have done a lot better. I think so, too. (sighs) Second place last week was Voyager. Mm. We watched Infinite Regress, Infinite Regret. We watched Voyager. You thought Jake's inner monologue was bad. Seven wakes up from her weird dream and skulks around the cargo bay like a monster or something. Then she goes and tears up Neelix's kitchen and takes a big girl bite out of some meat. And in her reflection, we see a dang old Klingon. Credits. (laughs) Yep. uh, I'll ask you again at the end what you think that reflection means. (laughs) You can ask me if it's a metaphor. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think I am going to ask you, Matt, whether that's a metaphor, because it is a reflection that nobody sees but us. Yep. And her nothing is happening to her body physically no, honestly, in the reality of this she's episode. She's not even looking in that reflecting surface. She's no, exactly. enjoying her She meat. doesn't see it. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Harry Kim is showing the team some cool debris from a blown-up Borg ship, and Neelix tells everyone about his missing meat. Tuvok has no suspects. I can only assume because he's not bothered to spend a second on it. The Wildman girl is following Seven around and taking notes. Seven catches her, and they chat about Naomi's quest to be the captain's assistant. I hope that's not going to come back. Suddenly, Seven hears voices, and then, like becomes a little girl not physically of course just some very uncool acting by jerry ryan <laughs> i mean it's not her fault but it sucks to watch well we'll talk about it but she, just i just want you to ask yourself better or worse than masks no oh, yeah i mean hmm yeah i, th- I guess it's better <laughs> <laughs> fucking brent spiner um she plays games with the girl but wakes up when Balana calls her to engineering and is mega confused. Balana shows her a Borg signal she's picking up, and Seven becomes Klingon again. She either wants to mate with her or fight with her. Oh, no, it's mate. She definitely wants to mate with Balana. Seven bites her and then beats up some uh, It's okay. It's officers. not a gay thing. She's a man at this right. moment. She's a male Klingon, for sure. Don't <laughs> so get, so get don't worry about it. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that a male Klingon very first thing would check the boobs and check the nuts, right? And be very confused. She does not have a good sense of self, for sure. No. She yeah, like, none of these guys seem to think of that. She doesn't look down and see her blue jumpsuit and just go, wait a minute, what? <laughs> oh, hold on. Something's wrong. I have it in my notes later, but half of the characters seem to understand where they are, and half of them seem to think that they're like, back in whatever their home circumstances and it's not well it's not consistent <laughs> it's true um you're right the ferengi and the son of kavak are both definitely present on voyager in that moment yeah 
And then, but and some of them are like, they think they're like just doing their fucking daily routine, recording their personal logs and dumb shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you imagine waking up in a Borg alcove in a cargo bay and going, well, <laughs> time to talk about my first week of work. Dear diary. <laughs> Anyway, she beats up some security guards and uh, runs around the ship and eventually gets contained by some force fields. When Tuvok finds her, she's a scared girl again. Her name's Meryl now. Uh, but then she's a Vulcan subaltern Merot or something. It doesn't matter. Lotor. Is that what it was? I don't fucking remember. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, then Klingon again, but then Tuvok stuns her. When she wakes up, she's overwhelmed by all the voices in her head and we see some... 1990s fish islands bullshit of the various characters she's portraying. <laughs> the doctor says there are 13 other neural patterns in her cerebral cortex. Well, I guess they're some of the folks that were assimilated by the Borg. Seven thinks the cause is the uh, Borg signal that Bolana picked up earlier, so they head back to that stupid debris field to turn it off or something. Meanwhile, Seven and the Doctor uncover some weird log entries Seven's been making as her other personalities. Voyager finds a Borg vinculum, which is, uh, I don't know, like a dumb computer core or something. It has identified... Boy, they sure, they sure do expect you to be real, uh, real accepting of the term vinculum immediately. <laughs> And not because they never go back for a second bite at what a vinculum is or what the word means. No, nope, and they say it five hundred times. <laughs> yeah, they just keep saying it over and over again. Uh, it's identified Seven as an errant drone and is trying to bring her back into the collective, but it's damaged and it's doing a big whoopsie. As always, the dangerous thing they're all worried about is beamed directly to engineering so they can dissect it. Put it as close to the engine as you can. They always the do it on on. TNG on Voyager every time. They're like, what's the the dangerous thing out there? Yeah, just beam it into main engineering where if it goes off or does something crazy, it'll be the absolute worst case. Not one of our big cargo bays where we just keep our medical supplies or whatever. Uh, it's, um... Oh, Seven detects a virus in the vinculum that's uh, messing the thing up. They identify the species that gave it to the Borg. But then Seven becomes a Ferengi... I guess the doctor can't stop the personalities from popping up. And I think you know what else. Her personality could be lost if they don't fix her. It's basically what At happens. At one point he declares it is lost. And that's just a cheat, because it's not. It's not lost at all. It's the same thing that they threaten every time the doctor's in jeopardy. That his pattern, that his, his program will be lost forever. I think the doctor says that shit basically to give himself the out right like at this point it's 50 50 right i'm gonna i'm gonna start giving up a little bit yeah maybe <laughs> he's a real quitter yeah. yeah he's kind of a gold breaker for sure uh torres goes to work on this vinculum but her attempts cause it to adapt and i'll get stronger i don't remember um seven's pattern disappears and all that's left is those that the borg assimilated while they uh, they head to meet these aliens that that introduced that virus to the vinculum, Tuvok volunteers yet again to do a meld with Seven and uh, guide her consciousness to the surface. <laughs> he loves to play mentor on this show. He just wants to show off his fucking powers all the time. 
And I think that if we got back to the Alpha Quadrant, people would realize he's kind of a fourth-rate melder. <laughs> and they wouldn't be that impressed, but because he's, it's just him and Vorik out there, he's always like, check this shit out! And he, we already know does... Vorik's a piece of shit, too, so, I mean... <laughs> That's true. All he does when he goes inside Seven's mind is get, like, captured by some dudes. He doesn't really do anything. No, it's extremely frustrating uh, because, frankly, Bolana saves the day, and then mm-hmm. it turns out that uh, nothing Tuvok did matter at all. Nope. No, he sees her from across the room in this weird fantasy and yells her name a bunch, and uh, they're both separated from each other and held back by all these personalities, and nothing happens. Anyway, they meet these aliens, and the aliens are like, You stole our bait, you turds! They infected their people with the virus and then let them get assimilated, like Malcolm in the Middle's dad in Babylon 5. But the Vinculum is supposed to get picked up by other cubes, I guess. I forgot he was in Babylon 5. He's just in that episode where he uh, gives himself up. I have a bad feeling these guys are going to be made into enemies, more enemies of the uh, Delta Quadrant for Voyager. Well, they didn't really set him up by, like, Saying their name of the race <laughs> or the names of any of the characters. No. So they just gave us a number, just the Borg designation. Yeah. Um Janeway doesn't want to hand the vinculum over, and the guy starts threatening to blow Voyager up. So this is going as it goes every week. Um Seven agrees to the mind meld and they start fucking fighting the aliens while Tuvok gets his business started. Tuvok finds Seven inside the weird shared hallucination, but can't reach her. Balana finds a way to kill the Vinculum. Everybody comes out of the meld. Janeway beams it into space. I assume they already lost shields because she does not give the order to drop them. And they get out of town with another new enemy behind them. The doctor tells Seven that the people she met are always going to be with her, even if she can't hear them. And then Seven goes to help Naomi become the captain's assistant and also play Cotiscot together. The end. Yeah. This time I start with Judah. What was this? Okay, so this is tough. Um, Here's where I landed. You don't know what you've got till it's gone? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. The big big thread in this episode is that Seven is going to lose her independent self again. And I guess at the end she appreciates that, like, differently. Instead of being concerned about being Borg and being perfect and being efficient, she's willing to, like, go play with the the kid. Where's that kid's mom? Right. And, uh, uh, you know, play, play Cotta Scott, like you said. Um, I want to say that I'm getting very sick of this constant threat that Seven of Nine is going to become a Borg again. Yeah. It's oh, like, they find Borg business all over the quadrant that almost turns her again. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it happened 15 times out of the 25 episodes in season four. Welcome to season five. Here's another one. Yeah. So that's not great. I don't think it's a big take. I give it a three. Ben. Well, well, they only they only got the one actor, so it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's not. She's certainly the only one trying. I don't know That's if the really what it is. could succeed if they tried. They all gave up in season one, so. Yeah. Think, so, so uh, 
you know, I, I would like to think of this episode as infinite regrets, which is how many I have for actually watching this. <laughs> um, the, I mean, I guess the take is, is okay if I can distill it down to something. It's something maybe like understanding the pain of others can make us more empathetic. Um, okay. I, you know, it's, it, is, it is definitely something in the vein of um, uh, seven understanding to Judah's point, understanding that, you know, she's not, she's not a Borg anymore and she's trying to become more human. It's the, uh, the, the, the Spock data now seven journey. Um, I guess Odo's journey too, right? There's always the one. And um, what used to be Schmollis is the doctor's journey. <laughs> but I guess he just did a bad. I guess he's been replaced. <laughs> no one cares whether he becomes a person. Yeah, the producer said he wasn't sexy enough, so... <laughs> they, they tried the spandex thing. It just, just bound in all the wrong places. Um, I, it, you know, it, the, the whole thing kind of felt like a like an Enterprise episode a little bit. Kind of this dark, intentionally spooky, uh, mm-hmm. desperate feel. Uh, desperate for ratings. Desperate for, for attention. Um, mm. I mean, I still gave it a five. But I, I okay. do that, don't I? I give it. I give him too many points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't even get to Judah's level on this one. I couldn't find a real take. I've got themes of the ever-failing quest for perfection. I have themes of guilt, kind of like what you were saying, where understanding the pain of these people that she had that she had helped to assimilate. Not not that she had any choice in it. But they never really say anything about it. They just kind of hint at it. So I'm not sure this one had a lot to say. I gave it two points for themes. So, I mean, we'll talk about this in characterization, but I think the main problem with having this be a take about anything that the other personalities surface is that Seven doesn't experience any of that, and for her it's just gaps in her memory. Mm. That's true. She doesn't really remember the shit. Yeah, so it's like she doesn't learn anything from you know the little girl even though she goes and plays the thing the game with her at the end it's like she probably just got told that happened or she was still her when uh she got the card that the little yeah. girl gave her or whatever because it's like she has no memory of these things so you know it's true that Shmala says that you know those voices are probably still all inside her but that's that's it. She doesn't know about any of that stuff, so it's hard to believe that she learned anything from them. Mm-hmm. Yep, and flipping around to execution, this was obviously a tough watch. As I said before, Jerry Ryan gave it the old college try, but no one she was... did. <laughs> like, outside of John C. Riley, who was going to pull this off? <laughs> who could be earnest in all of the performances and, like, have the lighter ones land... Like the when she has to become a little kid or whatever, or a big Klingon brute, and then still do the stuff where it's a psychological thriller. Like it's it's hard to figure out who was going to be able to do this, and I don't know why they thought they'd hired anybody who could. They sure gave it to the only person on the show who had a chance at it. Mm-hmm. Um, some again, like I said, some of the personalities seemed to know where they were and what was happening. Others seemed to think they were in their own familiar environments hallucination and mind meld sequences are not great. Janeway is such a loser, I can't even believe the writers keep doing this. <laughs> she cannot be diplomatic for one fucking episode. The, remember a few episodes at the very end, for no reason at all, she just goes, ah, but maybe 
we're the ones to lower our weapons. <laughs> and there's nothing yes. behind it, and it just happens so the episode can wrap up in the next 90 seconds. <laughs> she's right back to being her usual self, where she's like, well, I have to save my one crewman, so I know you guys have lost 11 billion, but eat shit. <laughs> and makes another enemy just joining the alliance of uh, aliens against Voyager that are going to be trailing them through <laughs> the Delta Quadrant. just a pissed off flotilla following <laughs> these guys, and, and they can't figure out... Uh, no, we found their signal again, but they're 10,000 light years away. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> they keep getting yeeted 10,000 light years at a time. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's fucking aggravating for these guys. Every time they're about to catch them, they uh, go into a quantum slipstream or something. Um, oh, wait, that that totally explains the, the last episode, right? Where uh, hmm. they were all in on this quantum slipstream, and that's because they had to get rid of the last posse. That's right. <laughs> That's true. They were like, no, no, no. We, uh, we I know it's a chance. I know it's a risk. But like, we got to get out of here right now because there's like 600 ships coming. And they fucking hate us. Me specifically, Janeway. But they hate us. Man, that fucking was the last episode. And it feels like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, Just a three for me. I, I didn't. It wasn't great. Uh, what is it, Ben? Sure. Yeah, let's do Ben. Sure. Um, I'll just start off. It's it's a three. Um, yeah. I I hate when I can't follow what's going on. Not 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 when they're setting something up, and you know, in the next, you know, in the in the cold open, and the, then in the next scene, they're gonna uh, explain it, or you know, it, it's gonna come gonna kind of progress to something. I never really felt like they were um, getting anywhere. So you know, going to be the she's seven's the Klingon and then the little girl and you know all these voices it just it just made for a muddled mess in the in the beginning and I and I hate that every single time um yeah got it that there's this you know integration wave whatever I, I thought uh Janeway's stiff upper lip type pep talk uh to seven was was really bad um <laughs> she is so tone deaf written that way and de but delivers it in a way that you believe that she's tone deaf so i mean i guess there's that um oh it's totally consistent now <laughs> that that is her character that's who she is she's terrible yeah i mean that that's definitely the uh the the director's notes on that character right i mean in and uh um Mulgrew is is sticking right to that um let's see uh and of course because it's voyager they have to make that this uh mind meld into this house of horrors it, it, it doesn't have to be. I don't know. It, I guess it has to be something, but does it have to be that exactly? Oh, no, no, no. You guys you guys remember. Uh, you guys remember in Sarek how Picard went into Sarek's mind, and it was like a metaphor of the Vulcan <laughs> Science Academy, and there were a bunch of other Vulcans representing different aspects of his personality, and Picard had to, like, do a bunch of open sure. palm heel strikes on him and everything. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Oh, uh, that didn't happen? No, wait. Oh, we just, yeah. saw, it. No, we just yeah. saw it from the outside? It's weird. We just, <laughs> or we didn't even really see it at all? We no. just later saw Picard He, like, crying? puts his hand up to his face, and then it cuts, and then that's it. Yeah. And we just move on with the uh, aftermath. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I, I got nothing else. There there, there wasn't anything of, of real note in the execution phase of this damn thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a big, big swing acting-wise, huh? Yeah, they really get, they said, "Hey, you're gonna get all the opportunities you could fucking ask for this season, and uh, particularly in this episode." And Voyager is lucky that Jerry Ryan commits a hundred percent. 
because it's like you said, it's not enjoyable. No. And, but imagine if she was only half-assing it. If she was giving it a Beltran-level performance with these guys. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> that would have been tough. You we know what? I, I, when he, I was going to say, we all remember when he went down there and had to fight the nemesis and how bad that was. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I wouldn't honestly like to see Beltran try, trying this. I mean, it, come on, the train wreck would be epic. Yeah, I mean, I would give it a one. I would love to see it, for sure. I would definitely yeah. like to see it. And i talk about it for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, how throwaway are these aliens? I don't think the species or either of the individuals are given a name. No. Uh, they set up that these aliens are doing what Picard refused to do with this weapon of mass destruction against the Borg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one's interested in talking about it at all. <laughs> nope. Um... <laughs> The mind meld scene, like you said, real hacky. I'm not... You will never convince me that the mating stuff with the son of Kavak isn't supposed to be titillating in a girl fight <laughs> slash hints of lesbianism way. Could be. Could be for sure. That From was the best they creeps. could do in 1990-whatever. Um, also, I don't think the idea that all of these uh, personalities and memories are stored inside Seven of Nine's brain makes any sense at all. But they've been playing silly buggers with her memory since we met her. That's what like, I was going to say. She's like a giant there's mega a, computer. Exactly. There's a moment in this one where she says, I can't remember every person I've... Uh, I, I was involved in the assimilation of millions of sentients. I can't remember every one of them. And I said to myself, can't you? Like, sometimes she can. Yep. If this was a different episode, the writers would make it so that she could. Uh, Overall, this is an ill-advised episode, but it's not as bad as it would have been on, say, Enterprise, where they had nobody who would have had even a shot at it. No. I mean, imagine T-Pole trying to pull this one off. Do you remember when Mm -hmm. she... Remember for the one minute where she was a dumb bimbo in that one episode and how sad (laughs) it was? It was... (laughs) Or imagine... uh, just imagine him giving this one to old Hoshi. Poor old Hoshi. Oh, yeah. So, uh, just a four for me, execution-wise. Now, I, I think it's really telling that we all went, because I thought T-Ball T- right off the bat, too. We all went to, had oh, to be T-Ball's a woman. for sure who they would have done it. Oh, no, uh, who, 100%. Who would have had to do 100%. It. Yeah. Yes. But, but it's it's some kind of objectifying nonsense that's that's going yeah. on, where we know that the writers would have done some bullshit like that. And, and hey, look. You know, the, this, the whole Bolana 7 thing, I know what they were trying to do. Done right, maybe would have done the thing, but it was just gross. Um, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not above that. It just, uh, do it better. Uh, I'm not sure that the writers of Enterprise would necessarily have been above having, say, Reed uh, take on Ugh. the personality of a woman. Ooh. Just for the case of the not gaze that that guy's got. They would have <laughs> loved that. It's fair. <laughs> Uh, talking about world building <laughs> was any done um the prime directive had 47 suborders. oh shit mm-hmm. uh, borg uh neural stuff <laughs> borg vinculi uh-huh. uh oh here's one uh, the Borg must have been up to some shit way before Picard met them, or else none of this makes sense. Do you notice that every single person that she surfaces is from an Alpha Quadrant species, except mm-hmm. for, I think there's one Herogen in her memory. 
Yeah, and they talk about the starship Tombaugh, which was assimilated 13 years ago, which is significantly... Too far back. Yeah, it's too far back. <laughs> but I mean, so because were her dumb parents. That would have been a year That would have been a year before the start of TNG. Right. right. So, and her dumb parents were assimilated like 20 years ago or whatever. So. Exactly. So I guess it means, the hey, the Borg went up to shenanigans and fucking no one caught on until Q, for some reason, threw Picard all the way to the Delta Quadrant. Seems like it could have just thrown him to wherever the nearest Borg ship was. <laughs> yep. Must have been one closer. Um, and for that alone, and the thing about the Prime Directive, I give it a two. But it could have. there could have been a one here. Yeah. Um, what are we on, Ben? Yeah. Sure. I I have a very sheepish three. Um prime directive stuff uh, i don't remember have we seen caddis caught before I, I couldn't remember no i don't, I don't think so this I, looks like a fucking light bright connect four so right. yeah normally they're playing the cling at uh, the vulcan one where you stick the it's like reverse jenga Calto. yeah Calto. right right um cortical inhibitor we might i think we've seen that um so despite the fact that mental disorders are exceedingly rare ever since uh the original series, the yeah, the doctor. We were told ex- that those four dudes were the last ones in the entire galaxy who were on that planet. Well, and then they blew up that one chick. So uh, <laughs> there right. were there were two. <laughs> oh, did any of them make it off? I can't remember. Um, I but know. but anyway, they expanded from there clearly because uh, the doctor has extensive files on things like multiple personality disorder. So I mean, I, I guess good for them for being uh, being ready for this shit. Um, the uh, Let's see. So this this vinculum Latin esque thing is a uh, some kind of processing device blown up from the middle of a, a board cube. Um, it, it's just kind of a dumb name for the for this thing. Why why does it have to be you know kind of kind of uh, Italian or Latin? Uh, species six. Well, the, listen. The Universal Translator knew <laughs> that the name of this thing should be translated into a Latin word that nobody knew. Is, is it a word? <laughs> it, uh, fuck. I didn't I even look it up. Hold I on. I assume it <laughs> is. It's gotta be. I assume they saw the word somewhere and they went, fucking got it. Nailed it. Uh, Vink- vinculum, noun. A connecting band of tissue, oh. such as that attaching a flexor tendon to the bone of a finger or toe, or in mathematics, a horizontal line drawn over a group of items to indicate that they're to be operated on as a single entity. Uh, it's from the Latin go. word for bond. Oh. Makes sense with board business. Where yeah. everything becomes a single entity. Ah, okay, that's lame. I, I I wrote the word lame anyway uh, before knowing that, and I in, it's true endorse it again. The Universal Translator neglects Greek. It goes Latin one hundred percent of the time. It's like Greek is a dead language. It's like people <laughs> well, still speak Greek. No Mandarin, no Hindi, no nothing. Yeah, no English. Apparently. Uh, no, uh, sorry, that's incorrect. Uh, it translated Rogodenar's rank as Subadar. Oh, you're right. Oh, <laughs> there was yeah, there was the one. That just want to jump choice. right in there. Possible that the word Jemhadar also is from the same source. It's another Indian rank. Uh-huh. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It may not be pronounced with a hard H, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but Spiner did. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, boy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just that uh, Species 6339 is the uh, bad guys of the week. Maybe, probably, possibly, no name for the actual species. Why the hell would Janeway refer to them by the board denomination and not their name? Dunno. She didn't ask. <laughs> she didn't she care. She just straight did not give a fuck what those guys were called. <laughs> um, That's it. Okay. Yeah, uh... Not a good week for world building. Tetrion particles in the debris field somehow matches the atmosphere inside a Borg cube. Yeah, the air's all full <laughs> of Tetrions in there. I don't know what that means. People's neural patterns are absorbed into the hive mind during assimilation for some reason. Don't know why you'd need them. Uh, the starship Tomba was assimilated 13 years ago. We got Vinculums. We got Species 6339, which Ben described as the bad guys of the week, but who I always consider the good guys. <laughs> the, any aliens that Janeway's screwing yes. over are always the good guys? Whoever yeah. Janeway's fucking with is a good guy to me because she's always wrong. <laughs> um... Again, they lost 11 billion to the Borg, so it's only fair they give them that bad virus. <laughs> Uh, these aliens are strong as hell. Their ships, I mean, are uh, pretty good. Uh, more mind meld business. Um, if I thought there was any reason we were going to see these aliens again, it might be worth more, but it's just a two for me. Do you think the Borg refer to that as the, the 6339 virus? Fucking, if they know what it is. I think that one cube got it and blew up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the other Borg have met it yet. Because that vinculum got straight snatched up by Voyager. By the way, they don't. There's not a real strong chain that ties the Borgs going crazy on that ship to the uh, cube blowing up. Was it a self-destruct or? Don't know. Um, it might be that all the drones experienced what Seven experienced and just kind of went crazy, and well, maybe one of them did a blow up by accident. Well, one of them leaned like on a button or something. Most of the people she became weren't that destructive. The Klingon guy was a little rude. But like, he was slightly rude, but in a were, charming Klingon way. Yeah, they were mostly just going about their business, so <laughs> I don't know. Also, so they leave it behind. I assume the aliens pick that up and try again, but I guess they don't succeed in killing the Borg with this virus, because I think we're going to see some more of the Borg later. Yeah, it could only only in Voyager, though, as far as I know. Yeah. I think we've seen the last canonical Borg. Well, who knows what DS9's got to start, but I think we've seen... Uh, this is after... This is after First Contact. This is after First Contact. Yeah. Um, Characterization. Seven thinks of Naomi as a subunit of Samantha. Uh, she does seem touched to get a drawing from her. Yeah. And Well, she probably knew that last the last time we saw Naomi Wildman she was terrified of her and told her to sit at another table. She didn't seem terrified. She's like, don't fucking sit here. You think I'm think I'm lonely? Get the fuck out of here. Um, Seven expresses a lot of gratitude to a lot of people in this episode, so I guess she's starting to, like, settle in with the crew of Voyager. She was a lot less standoffish in her uh, hour of need. Hey, that's what happens when oh, you and get I will tell drunk you that with she... your coworkers, right? She did not do the one thing. <laughs> oh, you think from the That's big party? A little carryover from last week when she was as one with the doctor. That's right. 
uh, she didn't do the one thing that I super hated. When she went to engineering and Milana asked if she was okay, she said, no, I'm not. But uh, I think it's connected to this signal you found, and that's why I'm here. So it wasn't like... Oh, I'm going to be fine. I'm just not going to tell anybody about my terrible yes. hallucinations. The usual Star Trek business of not telling anyone what's <laughs> wrong with you. And But, you know, normally when you tell the doctor in Star Trek something's wrong with you, they tell you it's just hallucinations that everybody gets all the time. No big deal. <laughs> it's just lack of sleep. Yeah. Go, go on back and take a nap. On take my everybody planet, gets this. it's cool to get hallucinations. That's what Fox <laughs> would tell you. <laughs> T- take this hypo spray in the, uh, the medical rum and... Uh, You'll have a good time. Well, I don't know. Maybe, Matt, maybe you and me and Ben don't get hallucinations and everyone else does, and it really isn't a big deal. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, could be. I thought you were all supposed to get them and then not tell anybody. Again, that's that's the MO, right? <laughs> and definitely don't tell a doctor. No. Uh, Janeway gives a pep talk to Seven, which I think, I think she was trying to be nice. Um, Janeway is I think the worst candidate to be stranded far from home because she's incapable of making friends or even just like finding a common ground with anybody who might be able to help them on their way home. Yeah. Unless the plot calls for her to have assembled a whole team (laughs) of alien races to help out like a whole armada. Then yeah, she's pretty off screen sometime and they just show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chaco never uh, no longer believes that Seven is a lost cause. Um, the doctor thinks mind melds are stupid, just like he thought that all the Ponfar business was stupid. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Mind melds are so well established uh-huh. within the Federation at this point. You wouldn't think he'd be like, like he treats mind melds the same way as he says, oh, Talaxian homeopathy. Yes. In this one. <laughs> yep. And first of all, herbal tea's not homeopathy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but still, woof. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok's always pushing his powers on everybody. I already told you, I think he's a fourth-rate melder. Um, Tuvok <laughs> requires two hours of meditation before he can do his meld and a hustler. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's a four for me. There's some stuff in there where they're trying to do some character work, but a lot of it's hidden behind hallucinations and mortal terror or whatever. So, <laughs> let me go next because I tell you what, it's all the same stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the, the four uh, is the uh, is the score there. I'll just go hit the the things that aren't the same because right on 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 a lot of that. Um, the uh, I think Bellana had the right right tone for the midnight snacker discussion because they're in an executive team meeting right there and it's not really a topic that's appropriate. Um, Neelix doesn't know though; he doesn't have a job, so <laughs> yeah. he doesn't know when it's appropriate for him to talk about his business. Not only that, but he you remember that he lives in constant fear that they're going to kick his <laughs> useless ass off the ship. So he has to make it seem like he's contributing. Also, that I, his business is uber important. Everybody yeah. fucking listen up. I got a real crisis here. Which, of course... Someone knocked over all of my pre-made salads and ate my meat. 
It, it, but, well, of course, there's that one guy who doesn't realize that they're so concerned about their job that they're doing all the wrong things to keep their job, right? They're, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. th- there was yeah, love like murder. to get rid of this fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, one, one, one note that I really liked, uh, when Seven says that her courage may be insufficient, I, I really love that. I, I thought that was that was some some really really nice uh, nice touch right there, you know, kind of channeling the Spock like stoicism a bit, but then, yeah, just saying, hey, I'm 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 a human. I'm not I'm not up to this shit. Um, yeah, yeah. If Jake had said it like that <laughs> in the last episode, I, I was know, just thinking that, that I was like, yeah, that was a little bit better than what Jake came up with, yeah. which was <laughs> I was a real coward on that planet. But aren't we all dead? Did you like it? Dad, how do you like my book? How do you like my report? Thanks, Dad. Do you think the medical journal will print it? Cisco <laughs> <laughs> didn't have the heart to tell him. Hey, Dad, didn't no, I- they probably still want to know about that prion conference. <laughs> that seemed important. <laughs> I know it bored you, and you were real unprofessional about it, but it seemed important <laughs> to the world. Oh my goodness! Um, all right, back, back back to the Voyager uh, universe here. Um, wouldn't this be the one time in, in the in the uh, uh, when Tuvok is trying to save Seven, save, save her personality, her very soul, and her very existence? Wouldn't it be the one time you'd want to use her real ass human name? It was Anya, right? Uh, instead of Annika, Annika, Annika. There we go. Um, wouldn't he be yelling Annika, instead of just not shouting seven? the word Seven four hundred times well, well, in there? It's her board name. Right? It's it is her board name. <laughs> it's stupid. I don't know. So that's it. Yeah, he's Tuvok's got to stop dead naming her for sure. <laughs> Boy, the search for her name gets even less play than Schmollis's for sure. That is true. No, no one, one no one at any point says, hey, you've come a long way. Do you still want us to call you seven? <laughs> <laughs> I know it makes you sound cool and edgy and kind of emo, but like, do you really do you really like it? Is that how you really feel about yourself? That yeah. you're are you still seven of nine? <laughs> um, for me, okay. So ordinarily, in a story like this, you would expect seven to have some memories of what happened, so that these personalities could be part of her going forward. Mm. But she doesn't. She doesn't have that. No. So for her, this is just a scary thing that happened as she almost died. Um. Chakotay has been convinced that Seven's redeemable, but now it seems like Janeway has doubts all of a sudden. Janeway's like, I don't know, man. We found another piece of Borg technology and she's going crazy. Maybe you were right. Should have just spaced her or whatever you wanted to do. I can't remember. Maybe we tie her to the vinculum and leave her here. (laughs) Uh, Janeway is all in on exterminating the Borg. Yeah. Um, She has her pet Borg now, and even if that should be proof that they're at least individually redeemable. Who cares? Yeah, just like she didn't care about any of the other people that she's fucked up in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. She does not care whether the Borg live or die. Tuvok, like you said, is pretty cocky about his mind meld powers, but it turns out he's not as good at <laughs> as Spock is at forcing one onto someone. No. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Spock could fucking melt with people through a door and just like make them do shit with the power of suggestion. Tuvok just gets fucking bullied by some weird ghosts. Yeah, Spock could do some real uncomfortable work well, on the bridge of his ship and in Star Trek Six. Two seconds of prep, not two hours of prep. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah Spock wasn't like and he didn't two even hours, need that bro. hustler. Hey, I know it's an emergency, but like I'm gonna need two hot hours here before I can do this. <laughs> and Spock was only half Vulcan. So. That's right. Um. Oh, by the way, for plot reasons this week, Bolana has to be as dumb as a bag of hair. <laughs> so we'll talk about. It. Let's just cut right into my quick hit, quick hitters here. Uh, it's a just a four for me, character wise. Okay. Uh, Janwick continues to be trash. That's the main takeaway. Yep. Uh, first, I wrote great fisheye lens, animal behavior, reflection that only we get to see, <laughs> all the hallmarks of a great watch. Yeah. And then I said, okay, let's add child actor to the list. And then I said, cool as hell. Let's throw multiple personalities into the mix, too. <laughs> um, you know how sometimes you watch the teaser and then you want to quit the whole project? Uh-huh. That was a definite, definite this week, both with Jake's starting his monologue on the bridge of the defiant i mean on the bridge of the runabout and then also with seven being a klingon in the mirror i was just like i don't want to do it anymore yeah uh so balana has to be a real slow thinker here in engineering she heard seven say that she's not well that she had a memory lapse that the frequency that connects minds might explain what's happening and she still storms away because she thinks seven is doing an out of character offensive prank that tom paris put her up to (laughs) by the way tp has damaged her psyche huh oh yeah for sure she's like i remember you go to seven to piss me off you always go and hang out with her when we're fighting (laughs) yeah You put her up to a mean prank where she swears at me in Klingon and bites me. I hate the way you talk her into pretending to be a male Klingon (laughs) and come on to me. Come on, you don't think lesbianism is unheard of completely in Klingon society? I mean, it's got to be there. I'm sure it is, but she's she's already identified herself as the son of Kavan, so it's not that she's just just Vecmaing it up. (laughs) Which is fair. Everyone should Vecma it up at their heart's content. You know what I mean? Like, I, I Vecma it sometimes. I encourage everybody else to. <laughs> uh, security so ineffective. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, I, I know Jerry Ryan looks tall, but five inches of it is her boots, her boot pants. So, like, uh, but these guys are not prepared at all. She just pushes them over and stuff. It's real bad. Yeah. Uh, this species made the call Picard wouldn't. How can the Ferengi possibly be species 180? That seems like a low fucking number. How could they have such a low... Did the Borg recycle numbers like if they've really 100% assimilated a species? <laughs> yeah, they get a different designation. They're like X180 or something. They're like, forget, we don't need to think about species 180 anymore. They don't matter. So, uh, uh, hey, we met these guys. Let's uh, slot them in. These guys came through a wormhole. There were two of them. They came through a wormhole. <laughs> Uh, I want to be absolutely clear about this. Janeway is perfectly happy to return a doomsday weapon to some aliens in Tron suits she just met. The only problem is she needs to help Seven of Nine first. That's literally the only thing she thinks about. She doesn't care about these guys, their suffering, how they're fighting the Borg. She doesn't care about the possibility of them wiping all of the Borg out. She has no thoughts on either. Nope. She's just like, I, I don't care. You can have the vinculum. You just got to help me with seven. I got a pet. I got a pet Borg. I got to fix. Uh, and then, ultimately, it's not at all clear that Tuvok's mind meld was necessary, since all the other personalities just fucked off immediately when the vinculum shut down. Uh-huh. So, he had a cool little romp in the 
total eclipse of the heart music video inside her mind and <laughs> but i don't think he accomplished anything i guess i'll have to check youtube later to see if somebody's done it just have fucking tuvok in there turn around be pretty good uh if not you can finally learn video editing i've always been looking for an excuse i gave uh best actor this week to i'm seven does she put the effort in and worst actor to mind meld tuvok <sighs> yeah i got notes on that in my quick hitters too ben sure uh not, not much I, I loved uh seven calling uh naomi uh the subunit of samantha wildman mm -hmm. I, th I thought that was cute and and uh actually a piece of writing um the uh yeah obviously uh jerry ryan's the best actress uh doing the most work trying the trying the hardest and basically compared to these other assholes she's coming off like meryl streep um i know it really so. is something as soon as she joined the show and was just giving full effort every week you're like oh boy really Everybody else's lack of effort is so fucking it's clear and stark. I think she's probably a better actress than most of them to begin with, but yeah. you can tell mm -hmm. how far effort is going on yes. this. Yeah, like she's um she's pretty good as the little girl playing Cottiscott. Yes. Less, I thought that was the best one. Less good as the Klingon and part of it maybe Yo, it's hard to like <laughs> You're in your platform boots and your fucking skin tight suit. And it's you just, don't have the fucked up teeth in yeah. to help you with the Klingon voice. It's just I don't think you'd be, it's hard to get into that zone, I think. So so not so behind the scenes, Jerry Ryan was not a Star Trek fan, had never seen Star Trek, yeah. and had to watch like a couple of performances of Klingons and Ferengis to get into it. So it's not like she had an idea about what it meant to be a Klingon. I mean the Ferengi's not bad, I got it. I saw what she was doing. Yeah, she was definitely doing all the physical mannerisms. <clears throat> Put her in one of those short uh, mariachi jackets or whatever. Exactly. You kind of see it. I don't know how that would look over. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I don't even want to imagine it. Um, uh, it'd look like a Shara Yar. You know exactly how it would look. <laughs> That's true. She does have one of those That's short jackets. That's a good point, yeah. She has a short jacket over a tight jumpsuit. It's it's <laughs> we've seen the look. Uh, and it, it wasn't and we bad. all we mutually agreed that it was very arousing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, hey Matt, I, I have a mm. question for you. So, are are you going to turn Cobra Kai on on Voyager at some point, and, and basically, you know, say that all the Billy Zabkas are uh, are the good guys and, uh, and Janeway is the bad guy? <laughs> There's nothing I can do be. about it. I don't have any <laughs> choice. I, I, she's awful. Every week she does something stupid and terrible and mean. She's just mean. She, her favorite hobby is just cold icing people. She's absolutely a space pirate. And then when people, even when they're kind of jerks to her, I just assume she's earned it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, we see the opening call. Then these guys come aboard and they're like, uh... No, we need the thing, and we're, we're willing to shoot you. And we don't see the walk from the transporter room. That's right. Where she pissed them off. What bullshit she did to offend them on the way up. Where she was just laughing at their little uh, glow pipe coveralls or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, 11 billion. That sounds rough. That's really bad. Anyway. She's like, you guys, you guys are like part armadillo, or what, what's going on with your noses? You know, I shot a motherfucker that looked just like you last week. <laughs> Didn't ask his name either. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> I don't remember his fucking species designation or anything. Oh, and I've been saying this to everyone lately, but uh, stay the fuck away from our probes. You see anything that has our fucking logo on it? You fucking back off. <laughs> you can just see Janeway tagging shit all over the fucking sector. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, when you were adjusting your headset earlier, I did explain that I... Anyone who comes up against Janeway, anyone who is in conflict with Janeway, they are the uh, they're the good guy to me. Yes, because <laughs> I don't fuck with her just like I don't fuck with McCoy. <laughs> uh, is it my turn, quick hitters? Is you? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jerry Ryan worked hard today. Hey, acting is hard, huh? That scene yeah, but- where Tuvok is trying to establish the meld. <laughs> And Seven's yelling at him would have been really hard to watch in real life. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you're Schmollis in that room, don't you, you, you'd find something else to do, huh? <laughs> like, I doubt I could ever get to a place where I could do that dialogue without smirking. He just keeps going, my mind to your mind, and like getting his face closer and closer to hers while she's going like, Papa! Yeah, that would be tough, especially because, you know, five minutes before that, Tuvok was using, uh, Tim Russ was using his normal voice. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let me get into character here. Hold on. Talking about crafty or something. That's why, like, whenever I criticize the bad acting, I know for sure I would be a horrible actor because I couldn't, I just couldn't be serious about it. There's no way. Sorry, I'm just imagining one minute before they called action, Tim Russ was saying, you know, I like the white cheddar. Uh, cheese it's the best and then action and then my mind to your mind (laughs) papa papa (laughs) you you don't think you could get into it though i mean i i feel like if i literally did uh you know literally live the part maybe i could do it it just subsumed my own personality below tuvok or you know whatever it is daniel day lewis shit exactly all actors can uh all acting school is is like be an animal for 20 minutes, portray the emotion of dignity. It's just to break you down so that you're utterly shameless, right? So, oh, yeah. I, uh, oh, I like, like to imagine Ben just uh, on set of a movie, like uh, making his own canoe and fucking learning how to shoot a long rifle from the fucking 1800s or whatever so he can really just get into the part. While everyone else is around going, so is he... Like I know he's a good actor, but is he an asshole? Is that what's happening here? Because <laughs> I'm gonna, be- I bet asshole for sure, a hundred percent. Is this is this real for him, or is this still a performance? He um, this, this thing where he <laughs> has to do all of this. He said he was gonna take the canoe to the set. I don't, I don't know if that's gonna work. the whole the set's not always by the river. Does he know? Is he gonna? He says he's just gonna canoe it. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you have reached a certain pinnacle of human existence if you can leave people confused as to whether you're an asshole or not <laughs> that's true that is the trick yeah after, we're all pretty much ready to assume the answer is yes after the person leaves and you're still left going hey what happened there is that guy an asshole i don't am i the asshole i think i'm an a- am i an asshole uh as good as jerry ryan was i think the best actor was probably the frantic little girl personality inside the uh hellscape dream that girl scared me Mm. Oh, she was frightening for sure. Her horrifying shrieks were a little <laughs> bit much. I think she nailed hey, it. Do you, do you remember when that little girl spit in Kirk's face? <laughs> Fucking loogie. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
hocked a fat one in his face. Yeah, it's one of my favorite moments from this whole project. Because he was <laughs> he was going full shat on those kids. He was tossing them around like nobody's fucking business. They were not prepared, but that little girl gave it to him. Do you think that was like take 19 and all the kids were pissed off at William Shatner? And this was not. their little bit of revenge. <laughs> You know, if it if they'd done multiple takes of that, first of all, Shatner would never have stood for it. But if they had, <laughs> right. they wouldn't have got continuity right, and he would have had a big wet patch on the front of his shirt <laughs> from all the other loogies. Well, it was a yeah. one and done. <laughs> no, for sure. That's why things like Landru stay in the show, because he would not do a second take, 100%. Someone definitely called cut after that and went, uh, you just you said the name of the robot, the alien robot, you said the name wrong. And then he was like, no, I didn't. Hey, just, a, just, okay. a continuity, just a continuity note. You've been saying Landrew this whole time, and that time you said Landrew. That's how I say it. That's how Kirk would say it. Okay. All right. You're the best, Bill. <laughs> I got ten more cigarettes to smoke this hour, so whatever. Uh, that's it for me. And that's it for Voyager, then. Good forever? That was the last one, right? No, sadly not. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, First place last week was uh, TNG. This week we watched Redemption 2. You know what it is. It's my pick of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Play that too. Yeah, fucking ship just fucking flew by. Did you hear that? Did you <laughs> yeah, hear that fucking sound made a effect? real big whoosh. That ship was going fast. Uh, we open on the current ship, the Hegtaw, taking devastating fire and near destruction. Worf thinks they should withdraw, but Kern's got a better idea. He knows a few tricks. He's been running Fitzhill's old playbook. He's going to run his ship into the star's corona and then warp out in the last second and catch his pursuers in a big solar flare and blow them up. It's a real good trick. Hell yeah. Um, Back on the Enterprise, Picard has a meeting with a fleet admiral and a silent admiral of unknown rank. uh, (laughs) It's admiral. Who is not getting paid paid to speak this week. No. No sag rates for that guy. (laughs) No. He uh, pitches a blockade of the Klingon-Romulan border. To Fleet Admiral Shanti, who, instead of saying, the whole border, uh, says, assemble your fleet. <laughs> yeah. With 20 ships? Uh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, they got a bunch of ships that don't have crews yet, because they've been in space dock or whatever. And so, Picard sends Riker and Geordi to take command of the Excalibur. That's an Ambassador-class ship. Mm. And when Data says, uh, I'm right here, racist. Mm-hmm. Gives him the Sutherland. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Worf goes and visits an 80s techno fight club <laughs> and is shocked that Kern will drink with the man who tried to kill him the day before. But Kern spits through his teeth that this is neutral ground and also tells him to quit being a fucking bummer 24-7. Dude, you're not wrong the way he he does spit it. I Tony Todd delivers Klingon like nobody. He, he, uh, uh, English and Klingon, but English with a Klingon uh, <laughs> growl. He was definitely a Klingon before he was uh, cast. Yeah. Uh, th- I think that the, the guys on Greatest Generation have described him as, as being uh, 
well, his that his his speech is both crazy and eloquent at the same time. <laughs> it could be, yeah. I could see that. Uh, the Dura sisters are watching the whole thing, and they got some kind of plan. Meanwhile, Data reports to the Sutherland and meets Lieutenant Commander Christopher Hobson, who immediately requests a transfer because he's a straight-up old-style racist like Picard, but much less ashamed of it. That's right. Yeah, he just says it out loud. Yeah. This is why he's a Lieutenant Commander. He doesn't play the game. <laughs> Still seems pretty uh, good for this fucking Trumper piece of shit. <laughs> for real. <laughs> The fleet moves into position. The Dura sisters and Sela wonder what they're up to. Uh, someone challenges Gowron to uh, a fight, and Worf tries to break it up because they ain't got time for that. And Gowron just uh, works around him and stabs the guy to death. Yo, Riff! Where's the third man in? <laughs> for sure. Well, send him to the fucking penalty box. This is bullshit. That, for sure, that other Klingon's last thought must be this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Can't do that. I I, I, um, I was think I feel fancy because I was thinking, ah, oh, that's some Mercutio bullshit. That's right. Yeah. That yeah, is, that might uh, be what happens in that Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure that version had come out yet. <laughs> um, let's see. Command styles clash on the Sutherland. The Tachyon grid comes online. The Romulans detect it, just like everyone knew they would. Sela's Warbird decloaks and hails Picard, and she says, yeah, number one, here we go, Tashiar was my mom. Yeah. Also, you have 20 hours to recall your ships, or uh, some implied threat, but anyway, we consider this an act of aggression. Uh, just because of all the business DS9 always does with their 26-hour days, I just assumed 20 hours is a day on Romulus. That's probably what one day on Romulus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh... Troy and Crusher can't explain how Tasha could have possibly had a child. They're both pretty sure. Well, Crusher says there's no way Tasha was ever pregnant. Yeah. And Troy, Ben Troy says, I don't know. She's not lying, though. Is that helpful? <laughs> Is it helpful that Sela doesn't seem like she's lying? Troy's favorite thing to say to people. Well, they believe <laughs> she thinks it's the true. Truth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just like Duras, who for sure never had a mate. A hundred percent. Don't even look into it. He didn't have one. Uh, they are sure that she did not, uh, did not have uh, at, le- at least Dr. Crusher was her doctor. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like in an autopsy report, even today, uh, if, on a woman, they will note whether the woman had ever been pregnant. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just someone's political rival who declares. That's right. That <laughs> never Duras had, had no mate. Had no mate. <laughs> um... Picard says it doesn't matter who she is because the blockade stands, but as soon as the conference is over, Guinan rolls up and gives Picard her strange explanation that Tasha Yar survived Narendra 3 as an adult and that Picard sent her there and that therefore, by the way, he's responsible for all of this. You know, (laughs) intuition. I feel like her powers have gotten stronger because in yesterday's Enterprise, she has... Over and over again, she has a sense that something is off, but isn't quite sure what. But in this one, she's got the whole fucking thing worked out. But it's revisionist history, by the way, because she's like, you ordered her there. This is all your fault. Not The whole me. Klingon Civil War. <laughs> Not, this isn't my fault from another dimension or whatever when I made <laughs> you do right. it. Kind of like what I'm doing <laughs> anyway. now. You know, the thing I'm doing right now where I show up in the shadows here in this room, like I'm fucking Batman with a cooler hat. <laughs> 
Anyway, I don't know how any of this could be true, but you own it. This is on you. Um, so, you know, uh, Kern has a big, a big fight with Worf and then jogs out of the bar. And he's so upset about it. He, the door may still be open that he has pushed open to leave. When the guys come after Worf. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, some creeps see this and immediately go and knock Worf out. Uh, Picard asks Sela to come aboard, and the two of them spar for a little bit about the blockade before they get down to the business about her parentage. And now we learn that there were a few survivors, that uh, Tasha Yar was captured, and that a Romulan general came to like her, mm. and... Then she doesn't say the word rape. No. But and she wouldn't because she's do, clearly, she's all in on her daddy. Yeah. We cut to, by the way, a year later she was born. Mm-hmm. So might have been a rough couple of months for old Tasha Yar. Uh, and then uh, Tasha Yar tried to escape when she was four, but uh, she cried out like in the season, like in the series finale of MASH again. <laughs> and uh, so her mom gets killed. I think it's hard to, it's really hard to put into focus just how popular MASH was. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, all you gotta do is look at the ratings. That show was fucking popular, and these writers clearly watched a lot of it. Yeah. Well, anyway, she announces to Picard that everything human died the day her mom was executed. Mm. So, uh, once again, Picard announces, you know what? Don't none of this matter. This is for the audience. This is to understand why you're back. And, uh. Go, she goes back to her ship. Uh, Bator tries the only thing she knows with Worf, yeah. foddery. And it is up to Lursa to make the actual offer. They want him to marry Bator and unify their houses, whatever. Right. Um, but I guess Sela's been watching because she turns on the fucking TV and says, uh, enough of this. Turn him over to the guards. I need to know the disposition of Picard's fleet or whatever. And they uh, they drag Worf out to be tortured. Uh, meanwhile, Picard calls Gowron and says, listen, you got to strike hard now with everything you've got and force them to call on Romulan support and make them try to run this blockade because otherwise it's not going to work. Because otherwise we're just going to sit out here in space doing nothing for like a long time. <laughs> and Picard and Gowron just gets big eyes and goes, yes, or whatever. And then they just fucking do it. <laughs> well, he knows Picard is his best friend. He's known it the whole time. <laughs> He has no fucking uh, uh, question about that in his head. So when Picard gives him a call, he's already agreed in his mind to whatever Picard is going to say to him. Right. Uh, Part two of Picard's plan is he's going to run a little ruse where uh, Riker takes his ambassador class ship out of the fleet. And then they're so they're trying to force him to run it and then they'll close the gap. And it's like, is that the best ship to have drop out of that fleet if it becomes a fight? Well, you better close that gap. And Data's in a nebula. That's not too bad, but like you know, there's you know there's going to be some Mirandas in this fleet. There might even be a Strayo birth. It's possible. It's possible. Maybe have one of the weakest ships fall out of the net, huh? Yeah. Um, Movar, we learn his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, tells Sela that they've worked out a way to use a tachyon pulse to disable part of the network, but that's when Picard springs his trap, and he wants to rush in. But that was nothing. Sela sees right through that. And instead, she has him fire this pulse of his right at the Sutherland because she knows Data's in command there. 
And uh, do you think she thinks tachyons kill androids? <laughs> no, or? she does specifically say attack the ship with the robot captain. And I don't know if that's just like an aside <laughs> or if that's part of the plan. Yeah, it seems like maybe she's also just a big racist about it. <laughs> Also, I love fucking um, Movar. I get the feeling that Movar is like, this fucking human bitch. I'm going to get rid of her. I'm going to talk real loud so everyone can hear about how this is the chance we've been looking for, even though I yeah. know it's a trap. <laughs> so that if things go wrong, I can go, should have fucking gone with it. Should have run the blockade. Um, once the Sutherland go- drops out of the net from this pulse, Picard orders the fleet to fall back to Gamma Aridon so they can set it up again. But I guess Data has a sudden idea because he starts searching a database and he half explains this idea to Christopher Hobson and then he calls an all stop. And then instead of telling the Enterprise what's up, he just sits there bringing the phasers back online, telling Hobson to reconfigure the sensors while Hobson's like, the Enterprise keeps calling, man. Yeah. Hey, are you going to do anything about this? They're calling. Uh, anyway, he has Hobson turn the torpedoes all the way down to fireworks or like Klingon mortar power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then fires them at some tachyon shadows or whatever. And sure enough, it's Sela's uh, cloaked ships. And once she's discovered, she has the fleet taken back to Romulan space and Lursa and Bator are on their own. Yeah. Uh, and they lose real bad. Yeah, it turns so out they were once again, very much depending on Romulan aid. <laughs> yeah, once again, Garon could have just won the war. Yep. Um, uh, Lursa tries to have Worf killed, but he, he musters up the strength to knock out his Romulan guard. And then Lursa and Bator <laughs> look at each other <laughs> and beam out, and they leave Toral behind. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking rough. It's cold. <laughs> It's extremely cold. It's very cold. It's the, cold that, in a way where I don't even know what the advantage of leaving him behind is, but like they just no. Did it yeah, anyway. <laughs> that little dude it's is like... is looking around like, Auntie, <laughs> where did he, you go? Auntie? He wasn't. He wasn't fighting Worf. He wasn't no. doing nothing. They could have be. He, they could have motioned for him to come over there and then beamed him out. Yep. <laughs> but uh, they don't. Uh, the Enterprise goes back to the Klingon homeworld to give their report on the Romulan activity. Data submits himself for punishment for not answering the phone, and Picard <laughs> says, sometimes you have to break orders, and for some reason invokes Nuremberg? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, well, he says also, sometimes you have to not report to Starfleet at all or murder your time clone. Anyway, congratulations <laughs> on your first command. Uh, Garon. Data should have answered the phone and just said the cycle must end. He then, Picard would have been like, Fuck Picard would have said, me. got it. He knows what he has to do. That's right. <laughs> um, Garon has Toral brought in and given to Worf to kill, but Worf ain't like that. No. He acknowledges it is the Klingon way, but says it isn't his, and he rejoins Picard's crew. Yeah, Picard's totally cool with that. He's just like, yep. yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, well, he'd had enough. He'd had an ass full of O'Brien at Tactical already, so <laughs> he's totally abandoned. All of his he's senior like, staff is gone. He looks up, and that fucking lump of fucking old potato is just up there behind him. He's like, even when he's not talking to anyone, he's constantly muttering about his new wife. <laughs> I've just had enough. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, what's the take for Redemption Part Two? Mm, a tricky one. Um. For Worf, I thought it was a continuation of you can't live with a foot in two worlds. Um, 
For data, I guess it's nobody's gonna give you equality. You have to fucking go get it. Which makes me a little sad. And for Picard, it's... Actually, I don't know what Picard's story is. He's got some Sela business, but I think you're right that that's for people at home. It really seems like it. Picard insists a couple of times that it doesn't matter. Yeah, And he, and he doesn't seem curious at all, really, about how he could have possibly given such an order, or if it was from the future, or the past, or a different parallel universe, or whatever. Yeah, it never comes up again after she leaves the ship. It just doesn't matter anymore. Um, nothing really connecting the plots together for me. I'm going to give it one more point than last week for some additional themes and business going on, but it, it still just seems wrong that Worf has to choose to either be Klingon or Federation. He can't just, like, be Worf, it seems like. So, uh, three for me. Ben, how about you? <laughs> I like that. Why can't he just be Worf? Right? Um, Isn't it about time we're all allowed to be our own Vecma or Worf or whatever? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I did a Vecma once, but it was an accident. Um, the <laughs> Did you go to the emergency room? <laughs> no, thank God. Uh, the, okay, so uh, take. Um, I tried. I tried. I tried really hard. To, to tie them all together. Uh, our own sense of right must dictate our actions. Um, data okay. disobeys, you know, that, that order because he, he you know, he, th he thinks he's figured out something that's important enough to, to override, you know, his orders. Worf doesn't kill Toral at the end. Um, Kern at the very beginning ignores Worf uh, and, and other, other input at the beginning of the scene to make sure that he can, you know, actually do, do the maneuver to win the battle. And uh, it's a, it's pretty weak. I, I gave it six because if if it is the thing, then it's very Trek mm -hmm. and, and it makes sense. I'm not all that convinced that it is, but oh well. I mean, I get it. I like it better than mine. Uh, and for me, I admit I had to think about it because really they were just busy tying up plot threads, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the takeaway from this one is that nurture is stronger than nature. So like you said... Mm. Worf is a man torn between two worlds, but at the end of the day, uh, he realizes that he has his own values that separate him from Klingon Wikipedia, and he decides <laughs> to return to the Federation of the two, right? Yeah, like he makes his He's choice. making a choice, exactly. And the reason that his values aren't Klingon values is because he wasn't raised among them like Kern. Kern yeah. would have killed Toral. I tried to. Tried to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Kern's so upset that Worf doesn't kill Toral that he turns his back and walks over and stands right next to Gowron, yep. facing away. His new boy. <laughs> Gowron puts a hand on his shoulder. <laughs> said, That's right. It's okay, buddy. I, I know this is a tough moment. I oh, hate to see it. We all we all get it. We all we're all right here with you. Uh, also, uh, Sela claims that the human part of her died the night of her mother's escape, mm -hmm. and whether that's true or not, she and Picard agree that her ancestry isn't important here, right? Mm -hmm. So whether they were attempting to make this point, I think this is a point that Star Trek writers would want to make, even though they consistently write monolithic <laughs> alien races yep. that, that all are 100% the same. And they write uh, characters like Teepy, who are constantly like, why aren't you more Klingon? Be more Klingon yes. in bed. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a very Star Trek take, and I'm giving it six points also. Wow, okay. Well, yeah. I I liked both of your takes better than mine. Yeah. Well, execution. 
This one is mostly pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. You really have to not think about how a 23-ship detection grid can work. Yeah. Like, don't think about it or how they can prevent aid from reaching the Dura sisters or why the grid seems to be moving at warp speed constantly. <laughs> yep. Uh, would also help if you don't ask yourself how Picard knew Gowron could suddenly commit overwhelming forces in a Blitzkrieg attack when he'd been getting his ass kicked from hell to breakfast for weeks. Yeah, he does just declare that it's the plan without checking to see if it's possible. Also, try not to think about how Sela, who is half-human and in her early 20s, (laughs) is in command of this whole escapade when Romulans live to be like 200 years old. So don't don't think about any of that stuff because it's not smart. I mean, if you think it's about it, it's not a smart episode. If you do think about it, I think you could only come down on Sila is legit, just like incredibly uh. legit <laughs> to be like twenty you don't think her, years old. You don't think her general daddy might be a part of it? That, I mean, that's got to be a part of it. But like, she's like twenty and a halfsy, and she's just wielding enormous power in this fleet. <laughs> she's in charge of a whole fucking fleet and trusted with really a very seems to be a very wide latitude yeah. in running this uh Klingon Federation scheme. Very uh, I mean, as much as Picard. Team. Yep. And uh, by the way, I say early twenties not because I think at this point <laughs> No <laughs> Denise Crosby was not in <laughs> Denise early Crosby 20s. looks like she's in her early twenties. But just not. because we know when the Battle of Narendra three was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they uh, if they were going for age appropriate, they they should have recast. But then no Look, one we don't we don't know how screen. half human half Romulans do. Yep, I mean she's got that <laughs> she's got that uh, that traitor's bowl cut. She, she does that blonde bowl cut of a traitor. And we don't meet that guy for like three more episodes. No, but we did do an entertaining bit about that guy about a hundred <laughs> episodes ago about how he was tired of Romulus because it was always damp and. Yeah. And all the soup. No one told him that. All the soup tastes like what bats <laughs> taste like. <laughs> anyway, I love that guy. Like, it's a good dude. Well, we'll be back. We'll be back at that. It just uh, I, unification ones in like five episodes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it is pretty soon. Mm. Yeah, they. It's in week one hundred six. They don't want to leave Sela hanging around too long. No. You know, wigs start to disintegrate and stuff. <laughs> um, having Is that true? Having said that. I don't, I don't you know. know. I just think about that Yoda puppet. <laughs> he started with you know, so I assumed it was a fact I was supposed to know. <laughs> um, yeah, so not a smart episode, but it is full of interesting little scenes, mostly to do with Worf's disillusionment about what it's actually like to be a Klingon. Yeah. Uh, so I gave it as many as four for execution. Ooh. Ben, what about you? Ooh. Well, see... I always let my enjoyment of an episode leach into the execution score just a little. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. I had two paragraphs of complaints about how dumb the plot points were in the episode, yeah. so I couldn't I couldn't go that high with it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess I just like uh, dumber entertainment. I, I gave it an eight. Um, Bam. Yeah. Yeah, it was, well. That is your pick of the week. It was my pick. Um, you know, I, I, I like the fact that they had that that little space battle right right up front kind of gives it gets you into it it has uh, you know increases the tension for the for the whole episode kind of sets the tone um, allows you to reuse footage from Star Trek 4 <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to notice <laughs> uh, you say that but it was that was a very important consideration for the producers I was quite pleased they reused the footage because in the scenes where they weren't reusing footage it looked kind of bad <laughs> 
I wanted more reused movie footage. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, you you notice, by the way, that they never attempted to depict the fleet. They just showed half of two ships following the yeah. Enterprise. Man, they didn't have the money for that. To be <laughs> no, like, hey, I, here's 23 starships. Nah. I, I assume the fleet was the two ships. I, I don't know. I, the concept of fleet seems pretty amorphous. Well, they said it was 23, oh, did but they? still. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was the Vanguard. And they life. mentioned, they kept mentioning the Tiananmen. Yes. I have notes. So about this that. episode's never aired in China. <laughs> I have, my note on that was just that they were really sure at the time that that was going to be a very oh, no, important I, historical event. I, I meant the the two Klingon ships that get get blown oh, up oh, in the okay. beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but you're right. The, the twenty three. Well, that was a squadron show. and not a fleet. So <laughs> that looked like some bad fucking clip art of two. <laughs> it was two it was badly complete chasing another bird of prey. Well, I, listen, I'm going to be honest. I don't even think they still had the bird of prey model. I think this was all reuse of movie footage. Oh, <laughs> just just to keep recompositing it into new scenes. Gross. Gross. Um, all right. So we, we have this uh, Admiral whatever um, talking to uh, Picard about this blockade idea. But then she has to take it back to the council. But then she also says, hey, why don't you just go assemble your fleet? Yeah. And so first off, Listen, what? <laughs> she she is fucking fleet admiral Shanti. The the council's going to do what she says, you'd but think. she does have to run it by. Yeah, him. yeah, you think. And so I, I mean then it, it sure does seem like she's assigning him, you know, a task force command or or, or whatever. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's just yeah, completely And yet no one refers to him as commodore the whole time. No commodore. Or even yeah, fleet commander. Oh. Right, he's just good old Captain Picard. <laughs> um, but you know, I I thought they could have just easily done it the other way around and just said, "Oh, well, we we've, we've reviewed your plan and go do it." You yes. know, it, it could have been all done. They could have showed us that, and and they could have had her on a view screen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, all right, so Picard has to implement his plan, and in doing so, he has to denude the Enterprise of you know, all of his senior staff. Um, and I don't know. I guess put skeleton crews on all the all these uh, hulks um, that are uh, going to man the tachyon net. Um, you know, we have this racist first officer. He's a piece of shit. Um, and kind of skipping to the skipping to the end here. Clearly, uh, Riker's uh, pre mutiny briefing style isn't really a common thing around the fleet because Hobson just kind of no. gives some lip. And and goes down to flames <laughs> because there's just there's just nothing, you know, um, nothing back in. I get the up. feeling Hobson doesn't have a cool mutiny circle no. put together. He don't know these guys <laughs> and they probably. Hate him. What are you talking about? He refers to those dudes by the other two dudes on the bridge by their first name in the opening scene. <laughs> those are his, his bros. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not put in the work to uh, pre prep this mutiny here. So he, he just goes down. Um I was confused, by the way, backing up to the whole Romulan thing. Uh, I was confused because Sila, I think, says you have, what was it, 20 hours to uh, to clear out. And then yes. it sounded like she gave them more time later. I I don't know. It seemed like she was kind of not really pushing. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe Picard picked up on that, that, that would, there was some weakness in her in her position. Well, she like she didn't really have a threat. Yeah. <laughs> right. She she showed up and said, hey, you being here is an act of aggression. You have 20 hours to clear out. Uh, or I start a giant space war, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I don't actually have authority to attack you, but but you know, get out of here. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> add another side to this already giant space war that is already happening right now. Um, yeah. Anyway, I I, I, I like the episode. I think there's 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 problems. I, my suspension of disbelief is pretty pretty easy to meet though, so I, I did give it an eight. Yeah, I, I. What about you, Matt? I thought this was a really fun episode without much of a point of view. Like Judah said, they're they're basically just trying to tie the whole thing up. Um, I like the strategic and technological aspects of it, even if it doesn't make it a lick of sense. Like Judah said, twenty three ships in the limitless boundaries of space. Well, not so. Not only that, but when Data ship gets again, don't think about this. When Data ship gets hit by that pulse, we see a display, and meanwhile, he says that it's wiped out the net within ten million kilometers, <laughs> and it has sort of reached one other ship. It's right. They are <laughs> so these twenty three ships have a huge amount of space, and I think missing the very thin spider web threads <laughs> of tachyon <laughs> beams between them should have been pretty easy yeah unless all of those beams are on wide beam and they just cover in that whole space in between them and then it's not represented well on the graphic maybe uh it doesn't and also they talked sense. about making sending them point to point from one ship to every other ship too so yeah. like yeah yeah and that that'd be if, real easy even if it was impenetrable in between the ships there is so much space there's just so yeah much. you could you could go around how far apart are these ships it's a real voyager situation where they're always like there's no way around it you just go isn't there? We got to go right through this territory. We've been <laughs> very clearly warned not to not to go into. And if we get a chance, we'll have to maybe shoot some people or steal something. I don't know. I'm feeling kind of reckless. You know the Janeway way. Gun it and run it. <laughs> uh, I love uh, I love Tony Todd and seeing the Sons of Moog together. I liked seeing this fucking Trumper piece of shit, Christopher Hobson, pee himself out of fright. <laughs> but what is the Federation when there are lieutenant commanders out there that are just like, no one would say a Klingon would be a counselor or an android could be a captain. Like, where does this fucking guy come from? <laughs> um, Listen, the rest of the fleet is not as good as the Enterprise. I think that's true. Well, that's we fair. know that's true because whenever they meet someone who's not fucking perfect, they act like it's blowing their mind. Whenever Listen, they meet a Barkley, they're like, this fucking guy was late? Get him the <laughs> fuck out of here. And they always say stuff like, I tried. I honestly tried. And it's like, he was late to one meeting. I don't, where was the effort? I mean, I was only sort of half joking when I said that Christopher Hobson must have a bunch of bad performance reviews. Because, <laughs> like, he's a lieutenant commander himself in the command division. It uh -huh. seems like for assembling this fleet... He, they could have just given him the Sutherland for this one, huh? It seemed they are like they were else. going to, and then Picard looked down and just went, oh, the, the Sutherland doesn't have a captain. Exactly. Like, like changing hey, the note on the pad to say doesn't have a captain. Data's <laughs> probably got seniority on Hobson on the lieutenant commander's list because he's been in Starfleet for 26 years yeah, or whatever. That is crazy but, when he says uh, that. Yeah, but like, uh, even so. The Sela angle is really a puzzler. I don't know what it's all about behind the scenes. Was Denise Crosby just like that desperate to come back? She came up with the whole idea. <sighs> but tough. she wanted she wanted to be Tasha Yar and Castillo's daughter. Oh, she wanted to be oh. her. But then 
and still working for the Romulans, but like a full, a full all human. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, but for some reason, this studio said, nah, they couldn't have possibly had kids because I think that would imply that they had sex for pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's right. Only rape is allowed in this universe. So she wanted for Tasha Yar to have been pregnant when she went back in time. Been pregnant oh, already. Damn. Like, cause they, cause they done fucked during, you know, after lunch. <laughs> during, yeah, during that huge crisis, of course. During that big crisis. Yeah. Um, and the studio said no. Okay, but if no, Denise you, Crosby... You uh, no, sorry. Tasha Yar couldn't have had sex for pleasure. She, uh, even though her character was established as having run away from rape gangs, we have to do this and questionable story instead. And fucked a robot. <laughs> and fucked a robot. She was so drunk. She was fucking wrecked. <laughs> she was so drunk she gets a pass on that. So yeah, the producers made it a much worse version of her dumb idea. And then you also have to explain well, either way you have to explain why Tashiar's daughter looks exactly like Tashiar. <laughs> Identical. It's even, but it's even worse when she's half Romulan. It's, the seed is strong, that's all I can say. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Um But if Denise Crosby comes back to you with this fucking half baked idea about coming back as a Romulan or whatever, or whatever her version is, don't you just tell her to eat shit? Like she left the show on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I would she, think so. She just quit. She just quit halfway through the first season and just said, I'm done. No thanks. Oh, man. Listen, these guys knew that they had to write 25 episodes every year. <laughs> it's any and plot is a like, good plot. You know what? Why not? Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't add much to this plot. It actually kind of muddles it, and it doesn't lead anywhere. Like we talked about earlier, she leaves the ship. It's never, it's not important anymore. It causes one actual problem, which is Worf has been tortured by the Romulans. Now Lursa and Bator are trying to seduce him. Sila fucking pops on the screen. Worf looks right at it and just walks out of the room, doesn't say shit. <laughs> yep. Not, hey, I know True. her. I know, I know her, though. Do you guys, hey. Hey, I know. Hey. Hey, wait let's a talk minute. To I guys, got her job, I, know, I was man. just going to walk out. I was going to just walk out of here, but now that I think about it, I know who, who are you talking to over there? Oh, it's Tasha Yar, but she's four years older. Look at that. <laughs> she's a fresh, hot 20-year-old or whatever. How dare you? <laughs> um, uh, and the confrontation between Sela and Picard ends. It doesn't affect the outcome. It isn't revisited. Uh, they did reprise the Yesterday's Enterprise music during Guinan's conversation with Picard, and that gave me some feels. <laughs> hmm. uh, just a five. It's, it's a real shame that that conversation makes no sense. That she just shows up there and... and <laughs> She just says word gets around. Anyway, yeah, here's what I know. Maybe word gets... Who's fuck? Is O'Brien talking out of school? Like, how did word Wait, get of around? Of course it's O'Brien. Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> he literally First hasn't all, even you met know, her yet. As soon as O'Brien's shift ended on the bridge, he went down to Ted Forward and started <laughs> trying to dine out on this story, right? <laughs> Gathered all his little flunkies around him at his one favorite table and had an ale while he told everybody about Tasha Yar. Right on the fucking view screen. T- Tasha Yar. Large as life. <laughs> uh, she was looking like me. a leprechaun with those ears, I'm sure. It was. Um, well, what about. What about world building? Yeah, it was kind of an average effort. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, World building. Uh, Kern's cool trick where he fucking broke solar wind on those dudes. Um, (laughs) Tachyon detection grid, which we're told is Jordy's idea. So that's nice. Hmm. Um, And yet, Jordy doesn't get given a ship. (laughs) No, he has to hang out with his old boy, Riker. 
He's got to go be Riker's first officer. Mm-hmm. Does the ship need someone as experienced? Does this fleet need someone as experienced as Jordy to yeah. be a first officer I'd for this one mission? Clearly I would have put him on the ship. I would have put him on the ship that Data ended up getting and just been like, nah, yeah, they're give all him full. a whole Nebula class ship. Right. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, Data, they're all full. Maybe next time we have a giant fleet action. Well, th- um, then we'd have to explore whether Hobson was racist against other humans or, or just... Oh, he'd been uh, like, well, I just don't believe a sightless person should be captain. That's just my point of view. <laughs> what if your visor falls off? I just think it's uh, an unnecessary risk. Also, uh, quit stealing our jobs is another thing. <laughs> um, let's see. They really have to scrape that fleet together, so they're still in big recovery mode after the Borg business. Um, the Romulans are exposed, but not really because of the detection grid. It's a de- whole data thing. No, data... Uh, first of all, they rolled up and Jordy said, yeah, we can see there are definitely some anomalies out there. Mm-hmm. And what Picard didn't say was, ooh, let's uh, shoot some fireworks at them, see well, if anything happens. It's crazy in Star Trek, every time there's an anomaly... Well, it's always a cloaking device, at but they don't know. That. Yeah, at home you're like, oh, it's, cloak, it's a cloaked ship. There's a there's hundred times where they see weird uh, tachyon anomalies or whatever, and it just turns out to be nothing. So <laughs> I guess, because at home you're always like, that's a cloaked ship, I'm calling it now. That's yeah, it's cloaked. just not an interesting story when it's nothing, I guess, so we don't get to see it. <laughs> uh, it, it but it reminded me of the time when Cisco and Dax couldn't figure out what that fucking, <laughs> what is this fucking They're singularity? They're so fucking stumped. There's this fucking quantum singularity. I, I don't understand what it could be. What is it? Never um, heard of it. Uh, again, the Tiananmen. I guess they really thought the demonstrations in Tiananmen Square were going to be a big fucking deal forever. And that, that probably that, that was the end of the communist government in China, I assume, is what they thought. Yeah, <laughs> or at least it led to it. Um, the Sutherland, the Hermes, etc., etc. Um, I guess the Klingons are just like, pirates now is that what we saw like a cool pirate bar where they <laughs> drink and yep. punch each other and probably sing songs they got they, they no one had invented the bahat ghoul yet so they just got regular <laughs> arm wrestling but with knives that's right. and it's like that's pretty good but i've seen a japanese game show where they pump a bunch of compressed air into everyone's anus and then they arm <laughs> wrestle and whoever farts first loses so <laughs> That definitely seems like a great bar game for sure. Wow, yeah. The the prep for uh, that sounds awful. Yeah, you just lube up a can of compressed air and put it in your butthole. Everyone seems really cool with it. Uh, is your job <laughs> comedian or not? Because if it's comedian, yeah. if that's what it says on your <laughs> you business have, card, you have to sacrifice your body for comedy. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. Jordy uh, asserts that Romulan sensors are as good as theirs are. Um, I have to say for the thousandth time, what is Guinan? What is she? <laughs> what are her powers? How do they work? Picard know. tells her Tasha died before you came on board, which is, I think, actually the first indication that Guinan wasn't in 10 forward all along and we just never saw her. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, there may be something where someone talks about how mysterious she is or something in the first well, episode of season two <laughs> that may imply that she wasn't there, but I don't think anyone says for sure she just showed up. Well, they say you're from Novacron. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, poor Wesley. That was the best job he ever did. They didn't even let him finish the line. Uh, I, what is he going to say about people from Novacron? And, uh, you know what that means. Six tits. 
so let's see them. <laughs> um, and that dress is pretty loose, could be. <laughs> uh, Duras's shit gets bombarded from space when he's losing the war, or uh, the Duras family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though it really seems like that's probably in the capital city. I was yeah. I was wondering about that. Is is that is that on Kronos? Yeah. I mean, they could beam anywhere, right? It's, it's definitely got to be on Kronos, but they could beam anywhere, so it, mm. it doesn't necessarily have to be right near the capital, but, mm-hmm. like, that was the feeling. Where were the Seems... ground troops then? Hmm? That's right. No ground Oh, the capital city's neutral ground. <laughs> that's right. We're told, yes. Space bombardment, though, that's that's neutral. <laughs> that's right. That's, that, that totally honors the agreement that they made. Uh, the Romulans are forced to abandon the Duras and Gowron wins the Civil War, which I guess is the big takeaway here. Um, Marjan rightly points out that the Klingon symbol looks like Mitsubishi, and I'm sure people <laughs> were pointing that out in the 80s and 90s, but I don't remember it. I mean, it doesn't not look like Mitsubishi. Yeah. Uh, I actually gave it a five. It, uh, and it's a lot going on. Wait, hold on. Wait, they're very gallant also. Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, ben, what about you for world building? Uh, actually, I, I undershot you guys for, for uh, or at least you, Matt. Uh, the uh, I have a three. Uh, the capital city is neutral ground. I thought that was, I, I guess, necessary, but felt a little odd. Uh, seems like uh, in a war, you're, you're probably always going to want to go after the capital city. I don't know. Um, uh, I guess it was to make Worf confused. I, I exactly. <laughs> it seem like it, it has to be like some kind of long, sta- like extremely long Kalis, you know, <laughs> style tradition or something. So Dude, Worf could be are... your avatar. Worf given side eye to everything happening in this whole episode. <laughs> you guys all remember when Q pours him some wine and he pours it right out on the carpet? <laughs> yes. And uh, and then Q says, "Oh, the old Klingon proverb: drink not with thine enemy." Oh yeah. That's, well, he read Klingon Wikipedia too. He, they both read Klingon Wikipedia. <laughs> Turns out that in the real world, they're pretty down. Yeah, <laughs> to drink with anybody at any time. Uh, I mean, I thought that was pretty cool, frankly. But um, so let's see the uh, th- that that weird ship that uh, Data was commanding. The um, uh, it looked like the the Sutherland that on that tiny ass bridge. What was it? <laughs> In the background, was was that ISO chips or something? I, all all <laughs> through the whole thing, like it needed some panels or something. I guess this is one of the yeah. ones that wasn't quite done with dry dock yet. I, I suppose. It yeah, I guess the actual bridge wasn't done too, and this is some kind of battle bridge yeah, too. Because right. uh, it's a piece of shit. It's so it's so stupid in TNG that whenever there's a guest ship of the week, no matter what class it is, the captain's always calling from a ready room Mm -hmm. or the bridge is some six foot by six foot space. Yeah. And you're right that it seemed battle bridgey, especially because of their super dark mood lighting. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah. And the fact that it was definitely not big enough for the number of people who should have been in there. Um, I mean, I don't think Hobson even had a seat. He just has stood the whole time. (laughs) Yep, him and Ben had to stand the whole time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I was wondering if that was Kronos uh, getting uh, getting bombed from space at the end. H- had to be uh, it, the Duras family compound somewhere. Um, apparently, uh, Federation combat training is better than the Romulan guards' combat training because Worf kicks his ass easily. Worf's um, a tournament fighter. I mean, not but yet. he's also uh, huge. So I mean, there's that, but. <laughs> That was not the strongest looking Romulan we've ever seen either. He looked kind of sallow, like maybe being <laughs> in the constant 
smoggy, dark. It didn't agree with him. Atmosphere of Kronos was not agreeing with it's him. It's not his dark cave that he likes. It's a different dark <laughs> yeah, well, cave. Well, it wasn't damp enough for yeah, one thing. That's right. But wasn't Homeboy armed? I'm just, I'm just saying that he, he got tore up. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but he knew which way the wind was blowing. Yeah, this uh, apparently it's a pretty open secret that the that the Ramis are helping the uh, Duras clan. I mean, everybody seems to know it, and just nobody can bring it out because otherwise, then yeah, m- more <laughs> galactic warfare would be happening. I, I guess I don't know. It really does seem like Ricard's whole plan is once they can show the other Klingons that the Dura sisters are conspiring with the Romulans, their support will fall away. But it's like Dura said as, says as much with his mouth when Picard calls him. Garon does. I yeah. mean, sorry, yeah, Garon says that when uh, Picard calls him. Right. I, I, but, there's some. Um, there must be Romulans crawling all over that compound. It can't just be <laughs> Movar and that guy. Exactly. A smarter show that was doing a slower burn on this would have given you a lot of the political background right. on this so that it would have been abundantly clear what tight ropes everybody was walking but in this it's just kind of implied exactly that's it for my world building uh boy yeah you guys have covered pretty much all of it uh fleet admirals tachyon detection grids warp fields calls solar flares the capital city's neutral ground uh we do learn what happened to the survivors of the enterprise c mm-hmm. and if we assume that Sela had the inspiration for this mission and isn't just put in charge of it, then she may be responsible for the whole Klingon Civil War. Yeah, because we've been getting mm-hmm. all this Klingon Romulan business True. all season. Yeah. Uh, Guinan's mysterious abilities and the end of the Klingon Civil War. Um, I'm sort of splitting the difference. It's a four for me. Okay. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right. There, there's a lot that goes on kind of plot-wise in expanding the world it's just it doesn't feel like there's new new ground really yeah the war's over that's big uh gauron's the man that's big but he was already kind of the man this is the problem with world building is sometimes there's an episode that's full of stuff and you just hate it and it's like like, well a lot of stuff happened but i didn't like any of it one point yeah but also until last week it was widely assumed that gauron was the man already True. Yeah, I was and very like, confused. Picard would be calling up and saying, tell Gowron his arbiter of succession wants to speak with him and shit. And then it's like, it, it, it only turned out last week that he wasn't in charge of the whole thing. So Yeah, we were on some real fucking uh, step two business of the <laughs> succession ceremony. Uh, in terms of characterization... Uh, Data must be channeling Riker when he makes that mean face and tells Hobson to do it. I mean, he didn't just go right back to his dating program? I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> all I'm saying is felt more like Riker than Picard. Yeah. Uh, so did that but, dating program. <laughs> uh, Data puts racists on their ass all episode and you love to see it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E- even Sela's a fucking racist about androids and she gets a big ass bruise because of it too. It's so. pretty good. Um, I'd love for Worf to say just once that real Klingons aren't very much like the ones he plays with on the holodeck, but it was great to get to hear him say, but it is not my way at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really too bad. He's only a season or two away from becoming a religious whack job. <laughs> uh, Picard tells way too many people that Celos background doesn't matter. And for some reason, even though Crusher is in this episode to give him a knowing look about it, she doesn't. Yeah. 
Yep. But the best moment of all is after Worf and Kern fight, and Kern power walks out of that bar so Worf doesn't see him cry. <laughs> it's true. I feel so bad for Kern, knowing what we know from that DS9 episode. Yeah. Oh. Where he literally is like, the only thing that fucking matters is that we were together. We should have just been together, whether it was on Earth or on Kronos or whatever. That's That would have been the coolest shit. And then Worf immediately fucking wipes his fucking memory. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Poor Kern. He just wants to hang with his bro. Uh, they, ha- they have that fight about whether Gowron should accept challenges during the war. Mm-hmm. And Kern just just gets out of there so quick. <laughs> um, And of course, Gowron will stab a guy. Even though Worf has already intervened, <laughs> oh, you gotta love Gowron. Yeah, Gowron's yeah. so fucking pleased when he when he gets to stab that defenseless guy. Uh, for me, it's a six character wise. And uh, and what about you, Ben? Oh, characterization uh, seven. It's a seven. Um, but then then again, I'm I'm high on the whole episode. Uh, so Kern, uh, I mean, God, he he is the quintessential uh, Klingon for sure. He's shown to be a very good captain uh, in, in in battle. Anyway, um, kicks ass out of uh, those two uh, two other birds of prey. Um, I I thought it was interesting the the choice for Data to really pull that race card on Picard um, yeah. in in the way that he did. You know, I I think you could have kind of done that and kind of called Picard on. You know his his unexamined uh, uh, discrimination there. With, without I don't know. I, I think you could have done it and trusted the audience just a little bit more. It just felt kind of douchey coming out of Data's mouth. Actually, because yeah, I'm a robot. crazy direct. He did not be like, hey, he wasn't like, I got 26 years of service. I'm mm-hmm. pretty good when you've left me in charge of things, maybe. Yeah, you trust me to run this ship all the fucking time, mm-hmm. no matter how many times I take over. <laughs> no matter how many times <laughs> I uh, have a software problem and take over the whole ship. Just like, maybe I can get a shot here. But he just comes in and he goes, so you don't want me because I'm an android, huh? Well, I guess I'm going to have to work on myself. That's what you're saying, huh? I have to work on myself, <laughs> become a better android? And then yeah, Picard it, it just looks feels so, so weird. Yeah, well, it, it, it's not that it's not totally fair in, in some ways, but also, Picard's your Picard's your space daddy. You know, you know, be, be a little nice. He was your uh, lawyer. <laughs> he was your lawyer. <laughs> he got your ass out of dissection. So he's Worf's chudich. He's Data's chudich. He's everybody's fucking chudich. <laughs> yeah, Riker doesn't really. I mean. You didn't really have Riker's back during the Apgar situation, huh? <laughs> no, well, I mean, everyone assumed Riker he did. really felt like he was uh, hung out to dry there. <laughs> the way that Scotty definitely did it on that planet when it was Red Jack, when it was definitely Scotty, uh, <laughs> was everyone sure Scotty, yeah. was very sure that Riker did it. Uh, yeah. Um, man, on the other hand, it fucking worked. So, you know, it, it, it did the thing. Um, Worf kind of finally learns to unclench a little and and laugh in the in the bar scene. I mean, the, you know, everybody kind of walks off and and it, it seems like he's trying it. You know, Klingons do laugh, I, I guess. Oh, I thought he was playing along, uh, he, doing his he best. Was he was trying? I, I guess that was the thing. He was he was trying to get along with it. Yeah, playing along, but but I I felt like it was a heartfelt effort, even if it was forced. Smash my head too. My my head needs to be smashed. <laughs> Exactly. Somebody headbutt me. Guy, no guys over I here. Got balls. Over here. 
exactly. Um, oh, you know that must suck when you cross ridges during a headbutt. <laughs> you think oh, they walk? The worst. Like 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 a like a deer like antlers. I think they walk. They could lock up. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Anyway, okay. Um, yeah, Gowron is ready to get his hands bloody at at a moment's notice. That that dude does love to duel. Um, and that's that's pretty cool. And, and just do you know cold blooded murder too. Um, mm-hmm. He's like the, the he's kind of like an anti Kern really, even though he's very much still on the on the Klingon spectrum. There's there's kind of these sneaky piece of shit Klingons, and then there's you know stand up uh, spit in your face Klingons like uh, like Kern, and 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 yet they they seem all cool with each other. Um, that's well, just another side of it. Kern has opposed him in the past. <laughs> I mean, I can see why. I mean, Gowron's kind of a piece of shit. Oh, in the first in the first part of this, he's like, Gowron? That guy fucking sucks. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I'd kick his ass right now. I'll go over there, I'll kick Gowron's ass, and we'll take over. Uh, he he does say that. He does say that. It, I think I, it's not a bad idea. I mean, I don't know. I'd yeah, fall Gowron's Kern. fucking tricky. I don't know, man. He's a good knife fighter. <laughs> I'd want to pick a different weapon at least. Oh, don't do knives don't for do sure. Knives. Do Batlath. <laughs> <definitely. laughs> yeah. yeah. Go yeah, yeah, full yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking Batlath. You want to get some range on him too. Yeah. Uh, definitely a sneaky little bastard. Um, <laughs> so yeah, obviously weird that Guinan has has you know the complete encyclopedic knowledge of the uh, yesterday's Enterprise storyline. Um, mm-hmm. What the fuck? But I guess that's new powers. Um, we get uh, you know Yar's you know the, the the terminus of Yar's story and you know the the total daylight on on Sila. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Toral's aunties abandoned him just for for no fucking reason. Just, <laughs> just that, that, that that'll close up the story, right? No reason at all, at all. Like he, he's definitely going to be killed, no doubt. Except yeah. for except for Worf, of course. Yeah, I think he got lucky. They expect him to be killed for sure. I think Bator even winks at him and goes, "Hey, check this out," <laughs> and just fucking hits the fucking beam out button and leaves him there. <laughs> Gives him the little chin flick there. Uh, yeah. Um, Golly, let's see. I don't. Yeah, cl- clearly, the uh, data, uh, data, data, <laughs> data um, didn't really learn anything as 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 a captain and disobeying an order, and he, he wasn't supposed to. I I, I guess um, I thought that was something that they kind of threw in there that he was supposed to learn something, and it, it wasn't it wasn't ended up uh, being a storyline that they that they felt like they should tie up. But yeah, mm. liked it uh, liked it pretty well. Uh, gave it a seven. I, I agreed it was what a seven. You, Matt? All right. Uh, like Kern said in that DS9 episode, he and Worf always belonged together. I loved seeing them whoop these other Klingons. But Worf still doesn't really understand what it's like on Kronos. And <clears throat> he finally realizes it in the end and asks to come home. And, like, he asks if his posters are still up in his bedroom. <laughs> and, like, is it okay if he, like, can he move in? Will he have to pay rent? That kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, I guess Picard changed his mind about interfering. Last week, he's like, uh, this is a clear internal matter, Worf. You know that. I don't have to say that to you. And then this week, he takes Worf's case from part one, which he flatly rejected, and delivers it to the fleet admiral verbatim. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> and it fucking lays it all in her lap and goes, and I want to know what you're going to do about it. Yeah, I think the explanation there is that um, Dairon's been losing. <laughs> for sure yeah. changes some stuff um 
again, it's not clear by the end of this whether Picard believes Sela's story, even after Guinan says her shadowy shit. He may still think it's a Romulan ploy, but he can't be blamed because it's wild and nuts. Uh, he tries his hand at grand strategy this week, but Sela's just better. She just sees exactly what he's doing. Maybe she is a badass. Uh, Picard is genuinely pleased about Data in the end, I think because he knows he can stop leaning on Riker. He's got, like, a better option. <laughs> he's like, fuck, finally there's someone who, like, knows what they're fucking doing. Um, Riker probably fucking raced ahead to Gamma Aradon to get there before anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but Picard said to go to Gamma Aradon, and look, look, we're here. We're here first. Jordy, yeah, good I, job. I read that you burned out one of your nacelles getting to Gamma Aradon. I told Jordy to fly her apart. Was. I heard that one time. It sounded cool. I said, fly her apart. Um, Data calls out Picard for his racism again, citing his 26 years. I forget that it is that many of service. Then he puts this uh, white... He's ca- he must be counting his academy time, though, huh? I mean, he, he kind of has to be, because I thought... I don't remember what he says in the episode where we meet Lore, how long ago it was, but that seems too long. Uh, then he puts this white trash in his place a dozen times, and I like that, too. And I wrote, <laughs> best data episode? I think so far, <laughs> this might be the best data episode. Well, it's weird, too, because it's one where he very clearly does an emotion. Yeah, when but he- it's- shouts Hobson down but it's like I really do feel like that's just Riker coming yeah, through I think he's doing it to scare the little man into doing his job I think this yeah. is a straight ploy I don't think mm. he is having one of his times where the emotions come out of him uh, then he discovers the Romulans but also he fires on them Yeah, that's not a problem in this again this tightrope <laughs> that everybody's walking that we haven't really been able to explore he, it's okay that he shot them it's a very good point are they inside the Klingon border? Yeah, like, what does, does that matter for the Romulan Federation Treaty at all? They, they, they have to be officially... on, the, on the Klingon side, right? Otherwise, it's not a thing, right? Because they already knew that they were there because Sela's talking to them and, you know, visiting them and all that stuff. It's it's only until yeah. they, they actually cross that there's an issue. Yeah. I just thought, hmm, that might come back. Someone might be mad about that. <laughs> um, does Gowron regret going into politics? I get the feeling <laughs> Gowron would like to be somebody's bodyguard or something. Just knife fights every day. You get like when he's looking just at Gowron spreadsheets, shot each for hire. Yeah, when he's like looking at spreadsheets and wearing his big robe, does he imagine the pirate bar and just being like, "Fuck, I'd love to do a cool arm wrestling with a knife right now." Do you think, Matt, that we could pitch... It'd probably have to be a comic book is the trouble, because that's the only one that would take this story. But do you think we could pitch Galronin? <laughs> Just like Galron's early, early days, days. Yeah, that's why he's such an wander, outsider. Wandering around. Oh boy. <laughs> he belongs to no house. He just wanders around and gets into fucking <laughs> knife fights with dudes. You know, always for exactly. good. Do, do we know what house Galron is from? <laughs> His own, but well, I, I assume don't... it's House Gowron. Oh, I, I yeah, think he yeah. just created it. I think he probably won enough crazy battles that they like let him uh, be. What is the name of Gowron's dad? Hold on. Oh yeah, they do say it. It's said at some. All I can think of is um Kaldor, of... but I know that's Quark's dad. <laughs> son of Moron. <laughs> Morel, oh, son of oh, Morel. Okay. The mushroom. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's a big mushroom. <laughs> um. O'Brien made his way back to the bridge. Good for him. Um, Guinan again shows up in the shadows, like fucking Deep Throat or something. 
or I'll really just like Sela last week. I mean, basically, just, except she's still played by Whoopi Goldberg. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a few weeks ago, sorry. Steps out of the shadows like like Picard wouldn't have been able to see her over there or something. <laughs> and then... Like, like the who's that Pokemon <laughs> wouldn't have been given away by her huge hat. That's right, exactly. <laughs> he, he asks her if there's something wrong, like she ever comes up to deck one for no reason. Exactly. No, I was just stretching my legs. What's up? You guys got some cool Romulan business going on? <laughs> I actually had another thing I wanted to say to Worf about how Klingons laugh, but I couldn't find him in the... Do you know where Worf is? Yeah, I've been kind of out of the loop lately. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, liked, uh, I liked a lot of it, and Best Data episode gets it up to a 7 for me. So, mm. Well, what about them quick hitters? Let's start with Ben. Yeah, you know what? That Captain Larg guy in the uh, pirate bar, mm. I thought that guy was pretty cool. I mean, you have to be pretty much a badass to be a fat Klingon, right? Like, <laughs> they're fighting all the time. It seems, I don't know, to me, it seems like just one of the ways a Klingon can be. <laughs> like, first of all, we have we have Kampok, who was notably fat even as a young man. And he was a badass. He, he ran the whole fucking place. That guy was a corrupt then piece this, of shit. This <laughs> guy who's been, like, Not interim leader of the High Council, mm-hmm. he's, he's on the chubby side. True. That's true, yeah. I, I I don't know. I I feel like that's that's somehow you know uh, flaunting your your power and prestige and you, I don't know. You, it's 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 an interesting thing. I think they're making a statement by by uh, showing that guy as a as a big old fat Captain Larg, uh, a Larg ass. Was uh was the guy who commanded Riker's ship? Mm. Was that Kavada or is Kavada? Was Kavada Stephen Root? Oh. Okay. Well, whoever was in charge, um, Captain. Shit, I can't remember his name. The, the, you know, Clegg's Clegg's boss. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, anyway, he comes back a was... few episodes after that to play a packlet. I know that. That guy was fat too, right? So. <laughs> I think so. Well, he was also pretty cool, right? I mean, he, he yeah, he, he had some leadership skills. Cargon, <laughs> Captain Cargon. Cargon, and then hold on, <laughs> what was the name? What was the name of the Pac-Lite guy? His friend? Oh, uh... Jeez. I know the ship's the Mondor, but... <laughs> but... He says that it's Reginald. his friend. Reginald. Reginald. <laughs> anyway, Cargon um. plays the guy who says this is my friend, Reginald. Oh, boy. And when you look at Cargon's Wikipedia page, you can really see it. Oh, yeah. He looks like a pac for sure. <laughs> he has the same face. Anyway, he's one of the bigger model of Klingon. <sighs> yeah. Yes, yes, Sorry, yes, ben. absolutely. Sorry, ben. I, I don't know. Maybe he's from the you know the the, the North Hemisphere or something, right? They're, they make him different there. Um, the uh, okay, so they finally force Riker to be a captain. That's great. Um, get him off the damn ship. Uh, Tony Todd is. Oh, I, I guess I already said it. Tony Todd is just the archetype Klingon. I mean, the way he chews the language. Oh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, I don't know none of the other guys, maybe a little bit Galron is able to be just that savage and erudite at the same time. I mean, Galron's his own thing. Amazing. He's like, he, he's his own little weaselly fucking thing that I love to see pop up on screen with his crazy eyes and excitement <laughs> over everything. Oh yeah. It's his eyes that are pop, popping up all over the dang place. I mean, so 
at the end of the episode, he, he's delivering that that line of, you know, I don't know, may, maybe you'll get me one day, but not today. And his mm-hmm. eyes are just like half the size. They're like dinner plates. They're taking up the entire screen. And, and TVs That's are big really now. <laughs> you know, it's it's part of his unique speech pattern is that he gives a pause before every important sentence to open his eyes all the way up. Slowly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I I wonder if that's the actor. Uh, that's just his mannerism, or he's he's doing a thing. But it's it's pretty well, amazing. I remember that VCR interactive VCR board game when he would say "Oh pooch," and then pause <laughs> and eyes open. I will tempt you, Matt. You've played the one of the latest featured episodes where you're telling the character voiced by Robert O'Reilly that he will experience bees, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Okay. I saw, and by the way, I saw, I don't remember how I saw that. Maybe you told me that that, you sent me like a Reddit or something where someone was talking about that. And I was like, oh shit, someone's talking about that VCR board game. Someone that else I, played that VCR interactive board game. I was yeah. sure no one else had ever seen. I, I had a friend in junior high that tried to get me to play that. And it was pretty bad. I, we did not get through it. Uh, oh it's a bad game it's not really a game yeah (laughs) i would just put on the tape i'd put on the tape and just admire galron of it all was weird how you watched just like 14 minutes of starfield patterns no you can't skip that that's important world building yeah uh ben was that your quick hitters uh only to say i I then got better friends in high school (laughs) well Debatable. Well, Matt. I was going to say, when you said, oh, I had a friend in junior high who wanted me to play with him, I was like, Judah? Was it Judah? Yeah, nope. timeline's wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got some. Um, Lursa and Bator plot loudly 15 feet from Worf in the direction he's facing. Yes. <laughs> I know it's a pirate bar, and I know that it's neutral territory, but damn. Like, he doesn't even appear to see them. No. I could see him the whole time we were looking over their shoulders. Well, he also doesn't see those guys who rush him either, so... <laughs> he's yeah, he's got to work on his fucking awareness. Um, Even though they must have been just mean-mugging them all night to be able to rush in the second Kern got out of there. Oh, yeah. They were not being smooth about it. Uh, I already said send Worf to the penalty box for a third man in penalty. Um... I don't think the Dura sisters know what a shitty dad Worf is. <laughs> they want him to be a firm hand, but he'll just send Toral back to Minsk to hang out with Alexander. <laughs> he really will. <laughs> like, what? They don't Listen, know what I ain't got about. T- I ain't got time for this going out with my parents. Yeah, my parents will take care of you, Toral. They'll breeze you into a good man. Um, I probably will they're never so, call you. They're so old now, and I just don't care about that at all. See, you you, never, they got to deal with you too now. Don't fucking come back. <laughs> they said they wanted to be a firm hand. I laughed out loud. Um, again, I don't know how it helps Lursa and Bator to leave Duras's heir behind to die, but it's just, it was so cold, I had to admire it. Um, Galron, I really get the feeling. Galron wants to be Worf's best friend so bad, but Worf is always doing stupid shit, like not stabbing teenagers. <laughs> And always in front of everybody, so they can never, like, really be down like Gowron wants. It really, like, when, in the way of the warrior, when Gowron 
mm-hmm. uh, declares him a traitor again. It's personal. It's fucking personal. He, he's he wants to be. He wants to bro down so hard with this guy, and he's just always doing this fucked up shit, embarrassing him in front of his other fucking friends. Yeah, and then it's like when Worf f- discovers Kalos. Yeah. This is why Gowron knife fights him so good in that episode. Because, yeah. <laughs> again, it's per- very personal for him. Because yeah. who's Worf going to like now? How's he going to become Gowron's best friend when Kalos is hanging around? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I guess Picard was just going to watch this cool execution without, like, making a protest on behalf of the Federation or... It's an internal Anything. matter. Yeah, he was just standing there like, well, I guess this is what the Klingons do. I'll just sit here and watch him stab this kid. Yeah, listen, know. if you attend a Klingon execution and you get a boner about it, <laughs> you don't have to feel bad about it because of the Prime Directive. It protects us. us. That's right. <laughs> I'll just watch him stab this kid and I'll go slip into my little robe and knock out a few chapters. I mean, if, if you think about it, I mean, isn't that what you call your, your boner is a Prime Directive? No, that's right. Is that just me? General order one down here, everybody. I tend not to personify it, but you know what? Whatever you want. (laughs) That was it. What about you? Uh, Yeah, I got a few. uh, Fleet Admiral seems to be three pips aside. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if that's different from the other admirals. I haven't been tracking it. Yeah. If the capital city is neutral ground... Gowron is in trouble. Usually the government holds the capital. <laughs> it's true. He's already seated You're quite a lot. A, not a good sign when the rebels hold half the capital or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, he knows, though, man. He knows, like, fully three quarters of the council is, is Duras's shit. I already said that Guinan seems to have a weird memory when she says that Picard ordered Tashiar to go back in time. <laughs> uh... I guess maybe Tasha Yar got pretty bitter in prison and forgot that she requested a transfer to the Enterprise C after Guinan gave her the fucking willies. Casila has the same line. You <laughs> sent her there. Yeah, everyone yeah. really got together and agreed on that somehow. You know what? This one's this one's on Picard. Now that I think about it, not even this Picard, but alternate universe Picard. But that doesn't really. It's the same guy. <laughs> I <knows> think <laughs> maybe on the way to the Enterprise C, Tasha Yar stopped by Ten Forward and loudly told everyone about how Picard was sending her there. <laughs> he's sending me off to die I guess I'm gonna go die now cause that's what Picard wants uh, it seems like Garon could have just won this war if he had Picard's big idea of attack now do it now <laughs> and then as soon as this battle starts the Dura sisters are desperate for supplies yeah. what what supplies are they waiting for torpedoes uh, Why is it life or death for these battles? Romulan like, warbirds. It's not a prolonged siege. We're running short on Romulan warbirds. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, so Sela has Worf tortured for information. And later, she knows what ship data is commanding. Oh, shit. Now, there's absolutely no reason Worf would have known no. what ship data was commanding in the fleet. But, like, what else explains how she knows that? That's a really good question. It it was probably just like up on a whiteboard when she beamed (laughs) over to talk to Picard, or she heard Riker talking about it too loud on the bridge or something. But like, you got to have a clean desk policy when you're bringing the Romulans over, man. You can't. You can't just leave that lying around for them to discover. (laughs) So I see you've uh, 
Looks like you got a, a code up there with Toshiba. It's $14,800. Don't look at my whiteboard! <laughs> right. Um, I gave Best Actor to Kern. It's always tough in a Kern and Garon episode, but I, I think he got it this time. Worst actor I gave to Ben's buddy Larg. Uh, <laughs> I love. He that was guy. kind of uh, he was at Nudak level for me on Klingons, and I'm I'm much more comfortable with Cargon or higher. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, the, the scores are in. We did it. Yeah, that's a hundred of them in the books. Uh, in third place with twenty four points. That would have been uh, better than the second place one last week. So generally a better week hmm. uh voyager infinite regress wasn't about anything uh, we weren't we weren't too far apart on that one i was a 13 you were an 11 24 is not a great score but it's not that bad for a loser frankly yep uh second place with 31 points deep space nine nor the battle to the strong i was 14 you were a 17 wouldn't have mattered if uh i'd scored at 17 too because the winner this week with 40 points same as last week. TNG Redemption Part 2, we both gave it 20s. Yeah. Really very little difference in our scores across the board. I mean, I was three higher on uh, premise, and then you just made up the rest with one point on each of the others. So. Yeah, it scored high in, ex- I mean, in uh, characterization this week. Did score quite high in characterization. So uh, that is TNG's 39th win, 39 of the first 100. Pretty good. Seven, they're back up to seven ahead of Deep Space Nine. Voyager, the only one who can still get some wins, is of course still stuck at three. So. <laughs> I mean, the third one was a huge surprise. The third one was a big shocker, um, but it did happen the week after Enterprise bowed out. So, what are you going to do? Yep. Next week is a mailbag, but the week after that, we'll be back at this with uh, week one hundred and one of the Star Trek project, and we will be watching Darmok. That's a big one. We're, that's a two-hour talk right there, just about Darmok. I imagine there's a, there's a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how noble and great that captain is. And uh, and how everyone else is fucking it up, including everyone Picard. Everyone else just shits the bed, including Picard. Um, for Deep Space Nine, we're watching The Assignment. Don't remember it. I assume war is hell, though. Probably war is hell. Uh, we need to get a couple of those in because we are going to have the funny episode Trials and Tribulations the week after that. So, you know, <laughs> I have to say as much as I love the original and I know that's not a popular opinion, the rehash is is a lesser, lesser work even than that. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. And, <laughs> it's not I'm looking forward to it now. And uh, for Voyager, we're watching Nothing Human. Yeah. <sighs> So I'm not even, I don't care. I don't know what it's about. Uh, if I look it up, I'll get depressed. So I'm not going to look it up. Yeah. That's what you should watch, Ben. I don't know why I tell anyone else and you're on the call, but mm-hmm. that's what we're watching for week 101. That's right. Ben, if you're listening out there somewhere, that's what you got to <laughs> knock out. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Ben for a special appearance. Uh, unless I don't guys. know, unless he wants to do this every week and just cut out three hours of his week. I don't know. Yeah, um, you have three hours you could sacrifice. Well, you first off, do you want him to do every, every week, week, including the mailbag? No. Yeah, okay, every other week. yeah, you could be on the mailbags too. It don't fucking matter. Don't none of this matter. Don't, don't none of this matter. It's fine. Do you want to take I, my I, spot? I, you could just do it with you. I'd love to pop in, but uh, may, every week maybe maybe a bit more. Uh, he's warming you up. He's going to pitch that for real when his kid's born. <laughs> That's right. It's either that or hiatus. So you know. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, everybody send us mail. We got a mailbag coming up. That's uh, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can send us an email. It's been a while since we got a nice audio message. That'd be cool to get. That's brothers at brotherdate.com. Uh, you could do it from under the safety of a, a nice blanket. Um, <laughs> whatever works. Uh, go to the website. That's brotherdate.com. We got all kinds of cool projects and spreadsheets. I promise they're really cool. Um, and then uh, every podcatcher, everyone in the land and in other lands will get this podcast. So, um, oh yeah, we uh, according to our unbelievable statistics, we had a listener from Nepal. I believe it. I hundred percent believe it. What? Look, you're making an ascent. You're, you're gonna. It's gonna be a long fucking time. You're going up that mountain. <laughs> and what better than like nine Star Trek episodes? But but there but seriously, go. do you want? I mean, you they want... did only download one, so. <laughs> Do you seriously want your your the last thing you hear to be the <laughs> voices of Matt and no. Biscuit? What's even worse is you could have downloaded a bunch of them. You could die, and all of the hikers will be walking ten feet away, oh. and they can sort of hear us talking about Star Trek <laughs> on your phone for until the battery dies on your phone. <laughs> oh yeah, you like die like near base camp, and they're all just there. It happens. Like, Fuck, it's still playing. Happens all the time, right? Everest is littered with bodies that you can see from the mm-hmm. trail, but no one has bothered to recover. I'm not going into what that crevasse. <laughs> like, fuck that shit. One of them is just hearing me ask you if it's a metaphor that time that <laughs> when Dax uh, embraces her old her past murderer self in the pool. Yeah. Uh, that's it, everybody. So, um, as you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe. As you believe. So, so shall, shall, shall you do. do. You put her up to a mean I hate prank the way- where she swears at me in Klingon and bites me. I hate the way you talk her into pretending to be a male Klingon and come on to me. Please subscribe.